Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneurs Show, where we celebrate the innovators driving change in the education industry. At Edison OS, we've worked with over 500 knowledge entrepreneurs to turn their edtech ideas into profitable businesses. Today's guest on the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show is Vamsi Kurama, a passionate entrepreneur and software product builder. Vamsi is the founder of Plane, a startup that aims to revolutionize the way we use and interact with technology. With a bachelor's degree in computer science from Jawaharlal Nehru Technological University, Kakinada, Vamsi has demonstrated his expertise in the field of software development. He is also the author of the bestseller book, Python Programming, A Modern Approach. We are excited to have Vamsi on the show today to share his insights on entrepreneurship and technology and how he's leveraging his skills to make a positive impact in the world. Hi, Vamsi. A formal welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show. Thanks a lot, Jack. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thank you. you. Thank you so much for taking your time out and uh, joining this on a Sunday evening. I know how super occupied you are. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I'm on the show. I've been, uh, you know, hearing a lot about the show and I've also have gone through the previous episodes of yours. I think, uh, yeah, this will be fun. Let's do it. Okay, Vamsi. Great. So, uh, Vamsi, uh, just for the uh, sake of the listeners, I'm sure you know why we are doing this podcast and everything. But still, you know, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what this podcast is, why are we doing it and why are you here basically. So this is the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show. This podcast is called as the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show. So what is the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show? Basically, we are looking to talk to people who are, you know, entrepreneurs in the knowledge domain. Um, reason being, you know, Edison OS is a education online platform for teachers, trainers, academies. And uh, when we do podcasts with people who are in the knowledge industry, uh, there are a lot of information on the internet about what to do, how to do and stuff like that. But talking to people who've been there, who've done that, conversing with them, talking about that brings out a lot of these information that may not be available out there in a formal structured way. And these uh, information, these exchanges will not only positively give them information, okay, this is what I need to start, but this can also help people come to a conclusion whether this is for them or not. They can also save themselves from not entering into it after getting to know the reality. So that is also a value. It need not ha- always have to be positive somebody. So that's the thing. And um, so why is Vamsi here? Vamsi is not your uh, typical knowledge entrepreneur as in, you know, he doesn't run an academy or something like that. But uh, yeah, indirectly he did because, um, okay, before talking about what Vamsi did, what Vamsi is today is Vamsi is one of the most, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know, but people that I talk to, they consider Vamsi as one of the top software developers in India that they have worked with. And uh, he's based in uh, Andhra Pradesh and uh, he's going to be moving to Hyderabad soon. And uh, he's a computer science graduate. That's about it. I don't think he's done any fancy degree and all those things. And so this is what he is. But then he's building a lot of products. But um, why is Vamsi here then? You know, if he's just a developer, uh, he did something called as Keats. Uh, Keats is also one of the many products that he built, but he built it for himself, not for somebody else. So Keats happens to be a platform similar to Duolingo. Duolingo is for languages. Keats is for programming. So he's also been an educator and um, it's the journey is still on. Probably at this point is just paused. I think he's going to revive it, but we are going to talk to Vamsi and find out all of these uh, information uh, in this podcast. So um, hopefully uh, 
you know, people who are aspiring to become entrepreneurs in the knowledge space, you're going to have, I think you're going to have a lot of value in this podcast. So with that, I will uh, get to Vamsi. Vamsi, uh, we can start this on a very informal way, personal way. Why? Because, you know, personal connection is very important for people to be able to relate initially. So right. I'm going to start off by asking, please share anything that you would like to, you know, because everything is a reason uh, for who you are today. So, yeah, open to you, on to you, Vamsi. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Jack, for the introduction. Uh, so let me talk about myself first. I've been uh, in the software space for the last uh, five and a half years. And uh, just to uh, tell a brief about myself, I run this company called Caravel. Uh, Caravel is a company that, uh, you know, we are into producing software products. And uh, we kind of engineer large-scale massive systems, right? Right from uh, systems that can scale from tens to thousands to millions of users. That's what we do at the company. And talking about my relationship to the academia was extremely close because I did my bachelor's and I'm a state awardee, you know, gold medal awardee from the government for my uh, degree computer science. And uh, it's been a, a fantastic journey for four years. That's that's uh, the most uh, important piece of my life, I would say. Uh, the four years I've extremely enthusiastic to learn a lot of stuff about computer science. You know, it was out of with pure love what I've done. And I had this passion for programming for a very long time since my eighth standard. So I've been doing that uh, very often and uh, it's been quite a journey for me. And after my bachelor's, that obsession became kind of, uh, you know, uh, it, it went beyond obsession. It went beyond obsession and I was in a state where, okay, let me do something. And honestly speaking, you've put it in a very nice way of taking it to myself you know, certain things, the decisions that when you try to create some decisions are something that you do it with your intuition, right? You fundamentally don't think about anything with respect to the data or the market because business, you need to think from various perspectives. But sometimes you have a gut feeling and your intuition pushes you to do something. And that's where you kind of uh, start doing many things. In life. So again, back to the story, I graduated uh, in, in 2017 and it was... Uh, I, I came out of the college and I wanted to do something. I had crazy offers on my plate. Uh, you know, in, in France, I had an offer. In India, I have offers from big, big companies. But there was a feeling that, okay, I wanted to do something and this needs to be big. You know, And the really important thing that happened to me that time, you know, just before my bachelor's is I was this author for this book called Python Programming and Modern Approach, which is published for Pearson Education. And that kind of have eaten me up because the writing process for was almost for uh, two years time. Because I, I wrote this small book called PyQuick, which became a crazy hit, uh, where this was distributed in a bunch of colleges where I used to visit for seminars and things like that. And uh, this became a huge... Uh, sorry to interrupt. You, yeah. Did you say you wrote this book before your bachelor's? Yeah. Wow. Okay, sorry. Right. So, and again, the, the origin story of, uh, you know, Python programming and modern approach is this book, the initial book that I've written, that's a 40 pager Python book, a very tiny book where I used to visit a lot of colleges and, uh, you know, teach about Python because in the States of Andhra Pradesh, Telangana, Python was extremely, uh, you know, it, it was a language that is parked aside. People used to talk about different other languages, like, you know, if the audience knew about C, C++, Java, you know, the standard classic languages. But Python was pretty new to the Indian space. So that's where we started evangelizing uh, a lot about Python. And I wrote this book called PyQuick, which became a good thing. 
and then later on pearson approached me and we i published with pearson so again coming back to this story of uh, keats uh, we started out out of extreme passion towards programming right and maybe i'll i'll put it this way i started out with my own selfishness of okay i need to do something and what do i know the best you know i know programming the best way possible and then we started it out so that's how the keeks journey started and uh, yeah it's it's been a ride uh, when we started out and on the other hand we were doing consulting projects to make sure that the company is living and you know this is something that we pulled it as a product you know a b2c product at that time got it great vamsi thank you i'm going to like uh, go back a little bit because uh, thanks for sharing you know that wasn't even a specific question so thank you for like you know talking a bunch of things because i have a lot of questions from this so uh, one thing what i was interested is uh, how your childhood was because you touched upon uh, that a little bit you said 8 standard was the time when you uh, started getting interested in programming right so i mean uh, the reason i before i ask question if i can i will try and articulate the reason behind asking you the question sorry asking you the question because i think that is a very important thing the reason i'm asking you is two things if there are people listening and you know if they can find certain pattern or certain logical thing that can be uh, modeled that is one reason another reason is this is also i am assuming hoping a lot of educators are watching this and i think as educators it, it, it is very important to know what ticks a student what drives a student and interest and stuff like that that's the reason i'm asking so h said what exactly how did you get interested into programming like what triggered you right so i would say you know it, it mostly came from my parents you know my dad is a professor of computer science okay. and okay. Uh, you know i was surrounded with a bunch of computers uh, you know we we started using computers when there are crt monitors you know big mm, yes yes and the cpu used to be a size of a tiny kid you know right. uh, that size cpus and we were always obsessed about these blue screens whenever wherever we used to see these blue screens because that's the loading part that comes in and it's it's all that uh, you know technology for me is probably you know everybody who born in the 90s will relate, relate to this was kind of uh, fascination right yeah uh, because there is a, a constant exponential growth in terms of the technology space so i was always surrounded by these things and uh, probably you know that might be the reason which drove me and that also is something you know when people look at you sitting before the computer uh, you are you are something to them right that gives you a lot of uh, you know this 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 person is good at computers and things like that but more than that uh, i am pretty much interested in uh, early math of my life i was doing a lot of math at that time and uh, at at one point i started uh, you know It, it math became too much for me, and one thing that I could replace with is programming. So, when in my school, when Q Basic, Q Basic was the first programming language that I was introduced to. Uh, when that was there, uh, it interested me a lot in terms of doing some bunch of instructions, and that that drove me in into the field of programming. Okay. uh okay one reason is your father himself was a professor of computer science but not uh, seeing somebody who was a software engineer you know who was in the us who was earning no. a lot was no, that it's not like that in, no. even in there was not any uh, you know formal education that i've gone through even you know there were not many times where i interacted with my dad it was just like looking and seeing things it was there was no prof, you know teaching per se you know that went into the system it was pure surrounded surrounding myself with them and okay. seeing a lot of people around me that's what intrigued me okay so that triggered an 8 standard and then 
before even completing bachelor's, you say that you wrote a book. That means you must have gotten yourself involved in computers a lot from eight standard itself, uh, which is what must have driven you to take computer science as a bachelor's degree also. Right. So uh, was there any uh, guidance uh, for you from your father through uh, this period from eighth to your engineering? Or it was just, you know, you just went behind your interests and whatever piqued your curiosity? I was a very curious kid from, uh, you know, from a very younger age. So okay. I always kind of uh, used to read uh, the books that are classic in nature. For example, in my intermediate, you know, the plus one, plus two, I used to read something in, that's there in BSE. Mm. Not that I wanted to do something. I used to read a lot of Richard Feynman classics, uh, you know, uh, lectures of computation or something that sorts. I used to read a lot of uh, other books in the field of that, that field of science. So when I uh, grad after my plus two, I joined the college and uh, after joining the college, I know that I, I wanted to do something in the field of programming, but I wasn't able to do that. Uh, and first year, I started programming aggressively. You know, I, I used to do something that's there in my fourth year. Uh, and I started doing that, doing that. At, at one point, I hit a, a a threshold where I said, okay, this is not enough for me. And then it, my journey from there started of visiting a lot of conferences. I used to be in Bangalore for almost uh, four months. Uh, yeah, in, in during the four-month period, which starts right from October October season, the conferences start in Bangalore. Uh, you have programming languages conferences you know, being done at the, those places. And I used to be there in Bangalore almost for 15, 20 days in that zone. So that drove me a lot. And I used to meet the best folks. You know, I have met Brad Fitzpatrick, uh, who is the one who created a bunch of sticks at Google. Uh, Robert Wording, who is the creator of a programming language called Erlang. So I started to, you know, increase my network and talking to people. That intrigued me a lot. And by the time I came down to my second, third years, I was in a zone where, okay, I, I, I know a bunch of things. And now that I used to visit these conferences, there is this organization which apparently got diluted uh, you know, today. It's called PSSI, Python Software Society of India. Uh, I was part of PSSI. And uh, PSSI, after that, you know, they used to organize something called user groups. So user group is a concept where you started in a place, you ask a, a bunch of people to come together and you start evangelizing the programming language Python for better trade group. That's what we used to do. And I organized this uh, group called uh, APPYUG, Andhra Pradesh Python Users Group, where we conducted a lot of sessions. Apparently, in the entire state, this was the only user group at that time. Okay. So we were invited, you know, we are a bunch of four friends who started this out, where I used to lead a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of colleges used to call us for asking us to, you know, give seminars and things like that. Because a lot of these companies like TCS, Wipro and the big MNCs in India used to have Java as the core at that time. But mm. they started taking a transition into Python. Okay. Right? Uh, during the 2015s, 2016s or so. So when this transition was happening, the academia doesn't contain Python as their standard curriculum. Mm. Right. And uh, now that we know something about Python and we were starting to evangelize these things, a lot of institutions wanted to come there and teach them Python to their students because they need a placement trajectory, you know, right. for right. colleges. So there is a, a, you know, a direction to it where the colleges want us badly. And that's where I have taught almost 12,000 people you know, going to uh, mm -hmm. colleges. Uh, we, I think I, I almost visited close to, yeah, I think. 15, 20 colleges 
where okay. there are about you know the crowd is about thousand or so, uh, thousand sometimes five hundred sometimes or so, so multiple times. So this is in the state of Andhra Pradesh and Telangana, both both the states, both the Telugu states, where uh, we we used to go there. We sit, we used to sit for the whole day, uh, teach them in the first half and make them code in the second half, and this used to run for two days. Okay. So that made me write a book for them because there were a bunch of questions. You know, people used to come there and right. ask me questions. Which book do I you know have to refer and things like that? I used to read a lot of books. That that is something that I used it for my teaching material. But eventually, what I felt was okay. There needs to be a tiny thing because mm-hmm. I'm going on a two-day workshop to their institution, and it it required some kind of an additional resource for me to give them. Mm-hmm. And that's where I wrote this thing called PyQuick. So it's like Quick Python, right? Uh, PyQuick. And uh, later, you know, this this became a huge thing, and it was open source. A lot of people from other companies started to work on it. You know, give me advices, suggestions on my writing. Uh, open source is all about contributions, right? Yeah, they, they yeah. Appreciate and they give. Uh, you know, sometimes the feedback is hard. Sometimes there is a constructive feedback, but you get to improve your content and material. And that's right. where my journey towards other stuff started. You know, writing a full length book. Great. Okay. So, Vamsi, uh, a uh, couple of things. When you said that, you know. when you were in your first year of graduation you started solving problems uh, that were given to the fourth year now yeah. this was because uh, you knew all the things that was in the curriculum in the first three years is it you had already finished all these things or you thought okay or was it that no 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 matter what i need to straight away approach the fourth year things so that your mindset is changed is it something to do with your mindset you forced yourself into it or you thought you really know i know all these things so i'm going to do fourth year stuff so let me tell you a very uh, nice story around is i was a curious kid it's not pushing myself okay uh, there were times where i used to uh, kind of uh, you know if i'm not interested in something hmm. i'll just close the book and sleep okay and you know morning i'll not be even able to pick that up but there okay. are there are times with programming or uh, coding per se the idea was i i never got exhausted doing it for mm-hmm. long hours i never felt exhausted right. even though it was you know it, it was out of pure love uh, yeah, love, love for yeah. programming and things like that it was curiosity definitely for sure but i never got exhausted uh, there are times where i've coded for uh, you know 36 hours you know wow. apparently you know I had some sleep in the middle but that was the kind of stretch that i, that I used to have so i never yeah. got exhausted that's one and i was a curious kid it was never pushing myself to get into that zone and things like that Got it automatically, you know, my brain started loving it, and it will start picking you up. No, no, I got your answer. Amazing. And uh, when you said, you know, you ta- you uh, taught twelve thousand, fifteen thousand kids in different colleges, uh, students in different. So was this like what a volunteering activity, or was it a paid activity? What was it? Uh, it was a paid activity. Of course, okay. you know, we had to uh, fund. While you were a student. Yes. And you represented PSSI while doing this. Yeah, it was kind of not representing PSSI. PSSI used to promote these activities. Okay. Uh, so this is a organization. There is this excellent organization called Bangpipers, uh, okay. Bangalore Python Users Group is Bangpipers. So that's where we got connected to a bunch of uh, very interesting folks okay. in that domain, and where they used to help me a lot. And that's okay. how we started evangelizing the language. Great. Okay. So, um, as a teacher, I mean. forget that you were a student then on all those things what you do is what counts right actions are the ones that really define somebody so you started teaching and you started teaching for money 
and uh, that uh, led you to write a book also and uh, then you you spoke something about open source uh, correct me if i'm wrong open source as far as i have heard is uh, say for example something uh, openai.com today is like an open right. source artificial right. intelligence stuff right so that is some sort of a tool is what they call as open source but you only right. wrote a book or was pyquick something some tool or something like that. what what what's it okay so open source is very simple open source is where you have everything on the internet for free of cost without okay. any commercial uh, you know liability on it oh well. fine fine generally and, open source is what it means got correct it. and okay. and open ai is not an open company uh, <laughs> you know that's that's a controversial thing that's going on to twitter that open ai is not equal to ah, uh, it was intended it, to be an open source company but okay. it's it's a completely closed company right now but the name okay. of the company the goal of the company was established in a way to open source all the work that they've been doing Okay, fine. So my confusion here was that open source means some technology, the codes behind that particular tool. If it is out there in the internet, that's what is called as open yeah, source. Like yeah, Tesla's like, uh, stuff are also on open so source. So just right? to give you a very nice example around open source, Linux. You know the Android phone. Linux, that yeah, yeah, is yeah, completely yeah. built on the internet. You know, it's it's open. Ah. Every single day, this creator called Linus Torvalds, he he writes code. You know, he publishes it onto the internet. Right, and it need not be free of cost, is it? Open source need not be free of cost. It is free of cost. It's I mean, for the guy who uh, uh, does the work, does he get paid? No, it's it's all from the funding or the contributions uh-huh. that he gets. Somebody you know, funds. Linux Torvalds is probably has his foundation called Linux, uh, but there is no commercial value in it. Open source doesn't. Got it. They 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 are not for profit. Has, it has value in it if you are trying to go into a direction where you start an open source company, but if it's an open source project, then things are different. Okay, fine. Got it. But lot of things i don't want to you know digress yeah, yeah, this whole yeah. topic yeah so, but but thanks yeah i got an understanding great um so now uh, coming back you know uh, you finished your uh, so f- you stopped teaching after that after publishing the book yeah so see the reason uh, again i just wanted to talk about something that's very interesting uh, okay i never thought i'll be a great teacher okay the idea the interest was uh, you know in in languages as i told you for a very long time and uh, my first seminar the first seminar that i was about to give at that time is within my college you know uh, ah. because i i asked the permission from my hod the head of the department and asked her can i do this she said okay fine you know you can take a a, a break uh, for i'll i'll make sure that the classes are not happening in the evening session and you are you can pick the session up and there are about uh, 60 attendees uh, where you know i had to teach from 2 in the afternoon until 5 three so that hours. was a 3 hours straight session um and almost yeah as i told you somewhere around 50 60 odd people came into that session and it was uh, very interesting that day where i started teaching them mm. and you know my focus was more on to uh, teaching you know telling them looking at my presentation slides and things like that and after 5 10 minutes i understood that the crowd is not serious with me uh you know the mm. most of the crowd that's there in the and then the uh, group were kind of doing their own stuff because you know the age group right when you're right, doing right. they're doing their own stuff and i felt like okay i need to focus more on the crowd rather than on my slides or my uh, mm. you know voice and things like that and then i started looking at the crowd uh, observing them and changing the direction of my teaching into a more interactive way mm. right Uh, and i was still not satisfied because still most of the crowd is not listening to me 
Okay. But one thing that drove me that day is six people or yeah, six, seven people that day. I still remember those names and faces uh, were having a little smile on their face. You know, right. they're really enjoying what I'm teaching. Right. That drove me for the next, you know, two and a half hours. That actually, mm-hmm. those were the folks who drove me uh, in saying that, okay, this is, this is really cool. And those mm-hmm. were the six people. Exactly. I know those six people after the session is done, they came out to meet me and they said, this is excellent. We wanted to learn more about it. Let me know where do we have to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of the crowd at that time was busy with all sorts of their own stuff. And, you know, you know that how students, we, you know, I as a student also, if something is boring, we kind of get into some something that's irrelevant. You know, we right, do right. all sorts of uh, things there. So, yeah, that, that actually have given me more confidence that I'll be able to teach. And uh, teaching needs to be more, uh, how do I put that, narrowed down. And you should really see that what's working best for the crowd rather than keeping it to yourself. Got it. And which where, uh, which year were you in when you did this seminar? First one? Uh, second year. Second year. Okay. A quick question. Now, was this seminar requested by people who knew that you were good in something or was it, you know, a voluntary thing that you did or do you, did you have a agenda behind it? No, I did it voluntarily because I just really wanted to, uh, you know, I was visiting these conferences. Um, I was visiting these conferences and I I really wanted to talk about something. And, you know, Uh of course, my friends were talking about where are you going and what are you doing and all sorts of stuff. Hmm. I really wanted to show something that is cool, you know, Uh, something, Hmm. if something cool comes into the market, you wanted to show it to your friends, right? Hmm. That's how it started. I approached my HOD where Hmm. uh, I told them, you know, this is something that I've been learning a lot about so let me know if i can give you a seminar and as i told you that trajectory started already right. saying that you know, the python is coming into the market so they were pretty interested you know somebody who is who's in our organization wants to teach you know for for nothing you know for free of cost why do you have to say no and they said immediately said yes so you did this out of a genuine intention of sharing something with your fellow exactly. people exactly. that's about it nothing else no yeah. agenda yeah. behind this no agenda uh, it was you you didn't treat that as okay you know what uh, i'm going to kind of start my practice here in the future i'm going to become this because you said you went to conferences and right. you must have had some sort of inspirations or you know something you might have liked somebody and you wanted to replicate them or something nothing like that you just wanted to you just pick something you just wanted to come and share it that's about it yeah okay uh, but did you uh, tell your folks about these conferences. Uh, did you pay to attend those conferences? Yeah, yeah we pay. Uh, sometimes ah. you know, it's, it's a huge pay as well. So you uh, paid that out of your own pocket? Yeah. Out of your own interest. And how did you get to know about these conferences? A uh, lot from the internet. Uh-huh. Okay. Because, because you were uh, in those communities and that's how correct. you get to know these people. Correct, correct, correct. Okay, okay, okay. Brilliant. Got it. Okay, Vamsi. Great. Uh, I, I thought uh, I had other thoughts. That's the reason I asked you these questions. It might have come across pretty uh, basic or silly or whatever. Okay, now, you said you uh, had some lucrative, attractive offers, crazy offers, right? Now, just curi- just curiosity. Can you put some numbers to this? You don't have to say the name of the company if you don't want to. Simply, just to say the numbers so that, oh, you left this much and, you know, just to get that idea. Uh, so offers were range from 40 LPA to 70 LPA. This was when you were just 21? 2017. 2017. 
when you were like just out of college great yeah. and uh, did you discuss about this with your parents before uh, rejecting them or moving on to do whatever you wanted to do they were clear in terms of uh, whatever i wanted to do mm-hmm. i have put it uh, you know straight saying that this is what i like uh, love about my work and uh, they told me that they do whatever you wish and you know from a very typical uh, perspective you know the society's perspective they also asked me you know do you want to get into some kind of a masters and things like that mm-hmm. but fortunately the company picked up and where i had to uh, leave the, leave it there the masters thing but okay. so you did was, enroll yourself into some masters program I did not that's a long story you know I'll okay. I'll probably talk about it later but okay. yeah there's two there was nothing kind of a uh, no from my parents mm, mm. it, it was, was your choice supportive yeah it was the, it was my choice and I told them they said yes great okay so um just and okay. these were the offers you know outside india at that time uh, where i had to fly down to france from france is one offer like so it was kind of in india also i had an offer uh, but yeah the highest amount is from the other country okay got it i'm going to ask a lot more about this i mean not about the numbers and stuff like that but some of the questions but then before that i just want to quickly come to the present day now uh, 2017 today we are in 2023 5 6 years down the line now you know that people also work in big companies and then they come out saying that x some company x some company and then you know they kind of have this image about themselves and then they go to build on stuff right um having spent 5 6 years on your own without having any experience in any of the big companies when you look back do you think you it it would have helped you not financially it would have helped you from some other way if you could have worked for one two years uh definitely i would say yes uh um, you know because in life something that i wanted at every point in my life is some kind of a mentorship uh the mm-hmm. right mentor can drive you in the right right path Mm. working in a company might really help me a lot uh, but i would have missed the challenges here you know there are pros and cons of every decision that we right, make right 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 uh, so something i would have really uh, loved to do it if the opportunity was something that i i would have liked at that time but again mm-hmm. it's, it's all destiny and the uh, thing that yeah. i've just you know chosen yeah no uh, point yeah, I, i'll say, definitely say yes uh, if yes, i would have so. gone to another company i would have learned you know a lot given the right mentorship got it no thank you for being honest about this because you know going back and saying yes i could have done that is not easy the reason i asked you was just others get an idea as to you know what can happen if you work and then do what can happen you said there are pros and cons to both so having worked could have got you a good mentor but then you would have missed out on the challenges that you solved yourself Correct. so yeah i think it boils down to what they want to choose now um coming back to you know uh not taking up those offers that you got and then going on to start a company now just because you're talented you're intelligent whatever it is you know business is different having intelligence and talent about expertise about some topics different uh, how did you convert that um, expertise you had into a monetarily profitable venture what were the gaps or you know what was your journey till you got there right so initially it was uh, hard you know in terms of uh, making connections the biggest thing in the entrepreneurial journey especially when you're into the services business uh, the consulting business you need to meet a lot of people because uh, in the initial days we we apparently you know the first project was quick that made us survive for almost 6 uh, 7 months 
and then later we were talking about all sorts of talking with all sorts of people in the demo in industry market and uh, trying to connect with a lot of people and things like that uh, but yeah it was kind of uh, meeting a lot of people when you start the entrepreneurial journey uh, it, it was meeting a lot of people but initially i i never had this mindset of okay we'll have to meet a lot of people at the like that. we were in a mindset where you know uh, okay let's start a company let's make some money that's the initial thought that everybody will have as an entrepreneur right mm-hmm. but you will not look at the uh, big picture what happens you know you always see this image of what's under the water if, if there is a huge mountain and what's about so there are a lot of things that goes into building an empire uh, and being an entrepreneur but uh, initially you know honestly speaking there were zero thoughts all i know is i know that i have a skill set with me yeah. that i'll be able to program web websites web applications mobile applications and things like that so i thought i'll just convert this skill into a monetary value that was it the initial thought was it not more than that okay so what was your first project and how exactly you got it you got it from a referral was it very easy what was it yeah first i think uh, it, it became a bit easier for us because we worked uh, with the garments uh, where we were uh, you know trying to build applications for the garment and uh, you know it was again they have their own cons in terms of the monetary value and things like that because we right. had uh, little so we got it through a via referral and uh, we right. produced that application into the market right. and we built it then we made some money there. great and uh, the book that you wrote mm-hmm. uh, did that help you you know did, was that uh, did that act as a source of credit for you when you went outside asking for projects uh yeah definitely i'd say yes because uh, a lot of people know you by the name of the book and you know you're an author and you have uh, already an established name right, right. so it became easier for me to get into conversations uh quick conversations you know how do you portray yourself or project yourself to other people right you you write a book and this is what you want to do you talk about all the stuff that you know about it becomes easier so definitely i'll say that helped me a lot got it so a uh, first project you said it was referral it was easy and all those things so what 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 after that what happened after that okay so that was an interesting thing where we had to wait for a very very long time okay. and i almost networked with 300 people okay. uh 300 350 people on okay out of which i think there were only two conversions uh so all when you say networked uh, okay networking is one thing because interestingly you also said you converted two after the 350 300 networks right so right. do you mean to say they were one on one meetings like yeah uh, this is a one on one meetings uh, you know where we used to go into um, sometimes it was uh, you know gatherings where where the tech folks come in right. sometimes it was more into uh, you know phone calls referrals and things like that So initially you know there are two kinds right one where they approach you where you have a inbound right where the client approaches you saying that hey i have xyz problems can you solve this for me mm. the other way is you know calling them you know cold calling them and asking for hey do you want this xyz to be done for you i'm here for you so the second half is very hard the first right. half is easy right. getting inbounds and working on it is easy Hmm. but now that we don't know what domain to work on because this is a wide spectrum right we can now that you are good at building something you, know, you can build websites web applications and um, you know mobile applications and all that stuff it's really hard for you to pick up a specific domain hmm. so i can go into something sort of an e-commerce or education or uh, finance or any such domain because these are the common areas right you can build applications in any specific domain 
So it was hard to narrow down which domain do we want to work for. And uh, every entrepreneur will keep saying this. How do we say no to a lot of things? Mm-hmm. Right. So in the initial days, it was hard to kind of uh, layer yourself a lot like an onion. You, know, you have all the things in the middle. Right. So yeah. you kind of will have to layer yourself saying that, okay, reject this, you know, say yes to that and say no to this. And it, it was kind of that journey. Mm-hmm. So when I say, when I said 350 to two conversion, so it was more on to, you know, we getting to know them calling them, asking for a meeting, uh, giving our, showing our pitch deck presentation of what we have done so far and then trying to get something onto the table. Okay. When you say you getting to know them, that means you discovering them, finding them. Okay. You know, like a list building activity is what you're talking yeah, about. When you yeah. Say. It was a list building activity. Okay. And how do you know these people might have have a requirement? Uh, okay. So these guys used to come and talk about their products and uh, these guys mm. are pretty much uh, startups. And you know how startups works. Always startup, they try to kind of uh, give it out to a other consulting partner or a service provider who can right. get this done for you. Right. And probably mid-level companies is, is too early at that time. Uh, so it was mostly startups that we reached out to asking for, you know, because startups wants to scale faster. And scaling right. faster requires a lot of, uh, you know, pace in terms of what you build. Right. So that pace comes with some money and giving it out to a service provider. So that's how... The initial ideation was there. Apparently, that changed later after a very long time. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the initial setup, the idea was, okay, call these folks, the startup folks, and then trying to reach, reach out to them in terms of getting to know them and what is the requirement they have. Most of the people, you know, out of 350, I would say 60% of the people really had a requirement. Uh, right. But, you know, the financial constraint would have stopped them to do that. Hmm. And uh, the calling part, right? When you said you had a business development team to do that? No. It was only two fellows who started off the company, myself and my friend, okay. uh, including my brother at that time. Okay. Only three people on the company. But the company itself is three people. Right. So you used to do everything. So the three of you would do cold calling and all those. So I used to do the cold calling. The other okay. one uh, does the coding and, you know, all that stuff. Okay. And uh, Vihar was also, you know, my brother was also part of the team and he used to help me out after his college hours. So that was it. That was the team. Okay. So, okay. Cold calling and all those things is sales, right? I've done some sales and I know the challenges that lie in cold calling and following that whole process before you can get. So did you have those skills naturally or you realized, oh man, you know, uh, if I'm an entrepreneur, I need to know sales to start off. And then how did you pick it on the go? No, I, I did pick it on the go. Uh, it was learning uh, right from uh, day one. My you know, The initial calls were easier because you always have a, a, had a referral. I had a referral that time and mm. I used to talk about that referral saying that, okay, you know, you know, XYZ gave me a number and I know that you have a requirement here. Can you talk more about it and things like that? If they're interested, they get to talk, know more about you. But if they're not interested, sometimes they'll be like, you know, can you drop an email? Probably I'll get back to you and things like that. So it was more on to calling and emailing at that time. Okay. And you followed the entire process that you set for yourself, following up everything. Yeah. 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 But I know for a fact that something that I knew at that time is if somebody is coming back to you within a week's time, uh, it's a win-win situation that you're trying to create. So closest to a sale. Yeah. But but later, what we realized is that after one and a half year, okay. uh, when we, we reached out to a lot of people, right? And they started reaching us. You know, saying that, hey, mm. I have no requirement, can you do this for me? But if you want something to be done in a quicker way, you know, you want that project in the next two to three months, 
they would respond to you in one week's time. One week's time. Right. Great. So, uh, these uh, two conversions that you said, these were the second and the third after the first easy referral thing. I didn't get the question. Can you, uh, you said uh, you got two conversions out of the 350 calls or networking Correct. that you did, right? Correct. This was the your res, uh, second and third uh, projects respectively after the first government Correct. project. Exactly. Okay, fine. And uh, okay, now little bit going, you know, backtracking. At this point, uh, how much time had passed uh, your first project, second and third by the time you got these three projects? Since you started, uh, roughly? Okay. So, I think it took us almost a year and a half to get the second and third project. Not exactly a year and a half. I'll say one year, two months. Great. The question I wanted to ask was, in this one year, two months, was there any instance when you thought, oh, should I have taken those offers? Uh, I never, I, I don't know. This is a very interesting thought that you've put in my head right now. Uh, I know that I was going through a rough ride. There were pain points where we also, again, we hired two more folks at that time, you know, including three of us plus two. There were uh, hard times where I was constantly thinking about uh, what do I have to do next? I never have thought through that, okay, I would have taken that offer. I never had that thought, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was in a constant mode of, uh, you know, resonating with all the things that are happening in my life. And trying to understand, okay, what's wrong? What's something that we are, uh, you know, doing it a bad way? How can we make this better? How do we make sure that we save some money, you know, not wasting it at, at this point in time? Uh, you know, how do we build up that little frugality in the system? How can we, you know, what's our survival rate? What's the run rate that we have? So these were the thoughts in my head rather than talking about the offers. Uh, but it was hard, you know, thinking about which, you know, you, you had to call. There were times where I had to call about 20 people in a day. And 20 right. people in a day is extremely hard. You know, you can't even imagine 20 might look like a small number. But you're exhausted after the first call. Your entire state of thinking goes off. Yeah. You know, somebody yeah. is not responding to you the way you want them to respond. Yes. You go into a negative zone. You know, you, yes. you ha- kind of, uh, you're, you're pissed off in life, right? Right. Uh, right? Why do I have to do this? That's the question. It was not kind of going back or picking those offers. I would have had, had the, if I, you know, if I've, were about to think in that direction, I would have had the other way around, saying that, okay, I would have taken this route. Hmm. But uh, I never had that uh, thought of, okay, going back and picking that job. Okay, I mean, uh, the thinking behind that question was, you know, uh, not exactly going and taking the job back, but then realizing how hard uh, the entrepreneurial journey can be, apart from the skills that you might have, getting business, right? That is where I wanted to, uh, you know, come and ask you that question. Because, uh, you know, oh, you know what? I could have, at least somebody else is getting the business. I could have put my skills to use from that point of view is what I tried to ask. And at any point in this one uh, one year, two months, right? When you were uh, dry, no projects, did you have to borrow money to sustain? Uh, Although you just had three people team, uh, but still, you know. I did borrow. At one point, uh, I did borrow. Uh, I think okay. only during the entire uh, entrepreneurial journey, I did it once. Okay. Uh, fortunately, I was able to repay them back in three months. Okay. Not okay. even three months, I think two and a half months. Okay. Uh, and I did that uh, because we had to pay salaries to the mm. new interns that who mm. came up to the organization. Mm. And the other half where I was doing some consulting myself alone with other companies directly. Mm. It's like, not like a project where I had to run their team and things like that, you know. It's, it's me as an individual going and getting the contribution done. And okay. where I used to put my 
money into the organization, the company, and then starting to utilize those. Got it. And uh, from what I know you, uh, it's mostly, you know, the way you said you started off, you started off with another co-founder. Was it a co-founder or was it just a friend who joined you as an employee? Yeah. So it was, we never had the idea of co-founders, founders, or any sort of these fancy titles. Right. titles. I even, in, I don't know why, even in the initial days, I used to hate myself calling a CEO. Right. Uh, right. I did that after three and a half years, I think in the, during pandemic, I know that, okay, this is time for me. I, I know certain set of managerial skills for me to call myself as a CEO. I would rather at that time, I used to call myself more as a CTO, you know, a chief technology officer, because I used to do a lot of, right. Right. But CEO seems to be a kind of a, uh, you know, extremely overrated term for me at that time. Right. Uh, but it was kind of just, you know, a bunch of friends trying to build an organization. So we said, okay, uh, let's, let's try to build something up. No additional motive or agenda. Right. Uh, but you can call us co-founders. Definitely. And if the friend is still Sorry, if that, oh, the company was still there. Yeah. 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 Which it is. Uh, just to clarify to the listeners. Uh, so is that friend still there with Caravan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there with me. Great. Amazing. What, six years? Okay, that's something you've pulled off. Um, so, Vamsi, now let us go to, you know, Keats. So what exactly happened? So uh, Keats didn't come to your mind in this one year, two months, right? Uh, in the journey that you're talking about getting the second and okay, the third that's client. That's a very uh, no interesting piece that we wanted to uh, track on. So one, uh, you know that product building process, hmm. again, this was out of intuition and looking at a lot of data hmm. in the market. Consulting companies, it's really hard for you to find people, you know, find people who can give you work. Yeah, right. On right. the other side, product business is completely different. You know, people will reach out to you, start using your product and they pay for your product. Right. The idea for Keith started off because we were struggling so hard on the table for Right. Getting these projects onto the table. Right. That's how Keith started. Hmm. And uh, I always know for sure that we'll have to solve a real problem in the world. Right. A real problem. And we, we had to be genuine at that time. And we said, okay, there are a lot of people that we're teaching. We go to seminars and things like that. There is a lot of struggle in the market. So we know what we know better is programming and how to teach, teach it. So let's start off Keats. That's how it started. Got it. So, um, okay. So Keith's idea came into the picture in the process of finding the second and the third project, because uh, you were also struggling to kind of find these servicing projects and you thought, okay, why not build a prod, you know, product ourselves and then sell that. That was your idea behind that. Yeah. Yeah. But not exactly during the uh, first and second project phase. Okay. Uh, it was always there to start off because there was a idea at that time, you know, hmm. even today. Product companies can grow faster, right? Yes, uh, yes. Because you have the funding route that you can pick up. You have the valuation route that you can pick up quickly. Mm, 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 uh, mm, mm. You have, you, you're in a country like India where the population is huge. Mm. Your customer base in India itself will give you a bigger growth uh, mm. trajectory. So there are multiple directions uh, in the years 2018. Uh, so where we thought, okay, let's build a product okay. and like, let's try to, uh, you know, this is our happy space, right? Uh, building tech and uh, you know helping people learn is a happy space for us so we'll still be in the happy space and making some money that that was the exact idea that we had when we started off kids it was okay. not exactly during that one two it was always there uh not from one day one i would say 
Right. Uh, right. We really wanted to solve a fundamental problem. So that that started. But most of the thinking I can say happened at, at that that time. Got it. This was always there. The question was when. And yeah. uh, given that you didn't have any projects, you thought that could be the right time to invest okay. more into it. Yeah. Got it. And uh, Keats is basically a platform uh, where you teach something, right? Correct. So uh, did you, was it even a no-brainer that, you know, that's what you're going to do? Or you had to do a lot of thinking as to what domain you wanted? Because see, uh, you could have might as well done a Ola, Uber, Oyo, whatever, yeah. right? But you chose that. So was that a no-brainer or did you have to choose? Ian, as I told you that, this was our happy space, you know, mm. the domain that we've been with there for almost five years. By that time, you know, we started our journey. Right. This started in our first year of bachelor's and that was there of the teaching, thing. teaching right. people, you know, uh, getting to know a lot about them and things like that. As I told you, that scene where uh, when I was teaching for the first time in my college, I had this little smile, you know, that those smiles I've seen many times when I used to go to con- uh, seminars and things like that. Right. One thing that I realized is people love it when it's more interactive. Hmm. And the idea was of Keats is to teach programming in an interactive way, not just in the form of videos, because video learning at that time was a bit of a, you know, I, I had different uh, thought process towards videos because videos, you'll not be able to practice something. Uh, right. Programming right. is like an art form. You know, you will have to, let's say if you learn how to play violin or piano, you'll have to practice it. Right. Unless and right. until you practice it, if you're watching something, you cannot get into that, that system of, getting to learn a lot about it. It's, it's purely interactive, right? right? So Keats is an interactive platform. It is a zero video based teaching thing. So you don't have videos at all. Nobody's uh, teaching uh, in the form of a video. No, no teaching in the form of a video. That was the central idea of not to teach anything in the form of a video. We will have videos, but the support probably the teaching, but 95% of the teaching that is done on the platform is interactive. That's right. what we've decided to go with. So that's where the idea of Keith started and we were as I told you we were already in the space for uh, helping people learn teach and things like that and uh, it became a no-brainer for us okay let's pick this field because we need not stress too much got it so Vamsi I'm going to go back a little bit because I was waiting for us to come and talk about Keats to ask you this question you said when you did your first seminar 50-60 students or people were there and majority of them weren't paying attention to you. They were doing their own stuff and only five, six people kind of kept you going till the end. And you said you changed something. First of all, did you succeed in bringing, getting all the attention of all the people that day? If you did, uh, what you, you spoke about a certain change that you did. First 30, 20 minutes, you were focusing on your slides and PPT and all those things. And then you had to change and then talk, interact and engage with the crowd. Can you walk us through this process uh, in as much depth as possible because you know at the end of the day listeners are also trainers i think this is this this can be a very key thing right uh, so initially you know it was kind of uh, myself to the board but later on i i saw that the crowd is not interested in my teaching so i started looking at people's eyes you know the first thing that i started mm-hmm. doing is directly giving a one, one-on-one eye contact in terms of understanding what they think about and are they really liking it. So then I tried gathering all my energy towards focusing on wherever these people are, you know, these folks are in, in the group. Uh, I started focusing on certain areas, you know, my more of my vision is going on to those areas for me to convey it directly to them rather than focusing on something else. Hmm. You know, that interactive, you know, you have to connect with the audience in order to get your teaching right. So that's where uh, I tried changing my trajectory of teaching. 
and you know after teaching for a very long time probably you know 6 7 months straight for almost uh, a, a good number of hours what i understood is i had a lot of questions and the questionnaire from the same group right i started compiling them and keeping them ready and teaching them immediately to them hmm. rather than uh, you know waiting making myself wait for the questions to come i started my teaching to go into that zone where the questionnaire started to form a kind of you know lesson for them whatever questions that they are asking me i try to compile it as a proper thing and then trying to deliver it out to them like so that's where yeah bunch of faqs that's where people started inter- because it's the same group right it's the right. same demographic that you are teaching to right so it becomes much much easier for you to focus on you know how they think what's their attitude what's their style of uh, presenting things or how do they talk about all sorts of additional cross functional domains that they wanted to uh, talk about you know some people will come and says hey vamsi can i do games with it hey vamsi can i do internet applications with it can i do uh, you know sort of finance applications with it all sorts of stuff. so you know for a fact that what they're interested in right and right? if you are teaching kids the first thing that you'll have to tell them is hey let's do some games right they'll be interested right. if you teach right. them something that is you know let let me tell you how to deploy a, a a cloud application in an aws ec2 container if i say that they'll right. be like what the hell are you teaching you know i don't know anything about what you're talking right. but let's say if i say games to them that might be of great interest but if i talk about games with a person hmm. Uh, hmm. today you know hmm. who hmm. is probably in his career in a good point in career they'll not be interested i'll have to talk about aws and ec2 right, right. so it's it's more about, about their demographic point number one and the other thing is more on to uh, trying to understand how they are interacting and responding to you as uh, as as a person you know, as an individual so yeah got it that would be my thing so vamsi uh, you were interested in computer science in eighth standard itself so yeah. but were you also interested to be a computer science teacher or you wanted to be a software developer i'll tell you why i'm asking you this question okay so so there are two things one there is computer science mm. the other one is programming and mm. the other one is coding mm. right uh, i tell you the difference between programming and coding mm. programming includes coding programming is a mm. more elaborate space okay uh, in programming there are actually three parts mm. one you think mm. you translate that thinking into an algorithm mm. and then you pick up a programming language to code something mm. right so coding is just that final piece in terms of uh, getting something shipped programming is a broader space i love the thinking space you know the thinking and the algorithm space i, I love it a lot mm-hmm. so i was particularly interested in programming mm-hmm. not the coding part coding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know coding part later came up you know okay. uh, when i was starting to learn languages i code about 12 programming languages today uh, but yeah uh, the coding part came later Hmm. i'm trying to understand the fascinating things inside the programming languages hmm. that's where hmm. the coding part came into picture uh, but programming was always there you know i i love that thinking to come into let's say you give me a problem xyz how do i hmm. solve it hmm. i keep thinking in my head hmm. and that where they started and then probably uh, after a while i started moving into picking up languages hmm. like c c++ java python hmm. uh, clojure hmm. rust we started doing all this stuff and uh, but yeah computer science came in later when i started my passions hmm. so it was a bit different right got it okay the reason i asked you this question is this right um mm-hmm. but thank you so much for i didn't know this whole programming thing had so much now what i understand is thinking and translating the thought into algorithm 
is like ideation of a certain concept or creating something out of nothing. Coding is like an execution of that. It's like, you know, bringing some laborers and then putting together bricks on somebody else's plan. That's how I imagine when you were telling. No, (laughs) No, that's a a very, very interesting way of putting it. It's actually that, but probably some people might backlash on it. But but that's the real No, I mean, uh, come on. No disrespect when I say laborers, right? I mean... uh, both of them are doing some building work, but you know it's different things. But yeah, yeah uh, you, was, you, you, uh, got it. you you nailed it uh, uh, from that perspective. Very interesting. Now the reason I asked you this question is this. Now you said you volunteered to give this seminar, and in the first seminar you said 50, 60 people were there. I'm sure that also was by choice only. You didn't force anybody to come. They came yeah. by themselves. Yeah. In that you have majority of them not paying attention to you. Right. Two things could have happened. You did one thing, but most probably people would have been like, hey, I am trying to come and share something. You're not even paying attention. I'm going to go. You don't deserve it. That is, that is probably going to be the attitude. But why did you take it upon yourself as a challenge to figure out a way to teach these people? Uh, okay. So when I started going to these conferences, hmm. the one thing that I love about these conferences that happen in Bangalore, uh, sometimes they happen in Goa and things like that. I think RubyConf happens in Goa. Uh, is sharing. Uh, Robert Wording is the creator of this programming language called Erlang. Netlang. Uh, Erlang. Erlang. E-R-L-A-N-G. Okay, okay, sorry. Okay. And that's the language that powers your WhatsApp. Just to give you some mm, context. Mm, 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 mm. The entire WhatsApp is built upon this language called Erlang. Okay. Right? Robert Wording is the creator of Erlang. Okay. And uh, when I started speaking with Robert Wording when he came down to Bangalore, hmm. we spoke for almost 45 minutes straight. You know, as a creator, he is, is like the man for me to even think of, you know, meeting himself was uh, a great thing in my life. Hmm. When, when, I, when I'm trying to approach him, there were, my heartbeat just rose, you know, very high. But when I went to him, when I spoke about him, I was really surprised the kind of person he is. Okay. He's a very nice heart. He spoke with me for almost 40 minutes. Uh, and we had shared some crazy stuff in terms of, uh, you know, the language, what he's trying to do, what I am trying to do. The most interesting part part was we were having this discussion before going to lunch. Both of us skipped the lunch okay. and the conference okay. again started. Okay. You know, he need not be that person. He's a, he would be somewhere in his, his you know, 60s or 60s, 70s. That time it's He need not do that. Yeah, he need not do that. Right. But right. He, he stood up for me that, you know, he, he actually, uh, we were standing, you know, while talking, we were standing and not even sitting. So he was standing there talking to me for about 40 minutes straight. We, we have skipped the lunch. We again rushed to the lunch to get some plates and we had lunch. So that kind of drove me into the idea of, okay, sharing pe- with people is really interesting, you know. And uh, once you resonate with the thought, let's say if you say something to me, I say something to you. And when you start a beautiful conversation, that's where a lot of learning happens, you know, as a person or from a, even from a life perspective. When you really make a really good, great conversation, I say, I'll say, the, you know, the concept of neuroplasticity, right, where right. your brain tries to change a bit, probably some deep conversations in your life will definitely do that. Uh, pondering upon a thought will do that, this concept of neuroplasticity. But those nice conversations will trigger certain things in your head that make you a better person. Awesome, man. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, uh, 
if there is a moment where I'd like to kind of stop and share this re kind of, uh, uh, you know, broadcast a message, I think it's this. Because uh, I've also taught um, in a very small capacity during some times. Uh, and I've had this experience where, you know, students are not listening to you. It's a certain trigger. So, but what I understand from talking to you is that, look, if a student is not listening to you, it is the teacher's duty to kind of do something to bring the attention mm-hmm. and uh, try and look at it from a positive way and then do it. I think this is great. And you said you solved this and you kind of uh, made this happen, if not all 100%, at least you might have increased your percentage from those six people to a little more people. What you said is you started making eye contact. You started understanding the demographic and coming prepared for their questions and expecting the kind of questions that they might ask and then uh, solving their problems and their curiosities and stuff like that. Um, and, and one thing that I've learned after a lot of teaching is uh, be a fun person when you're a teacher. Ha. Um, you know, right. I started cracking jokes in middle because right. the, the demographic that I was with, uh, you know, and, and this needs to be a bit... Uh, uh, you know, grounded or close to whatever they are talking on in their everyday life. Right. So kind of put some fun in, in your teaching. Don't be serious, very serious. Uh, that will that will kind of change the entire crowd. The some crowd, whoever is not looking at you, will start looking at you. Right. So right. you need to be a fun teacher. Did you prepare uh, for these jokes as well? Or these are just, you know, what oh, are these are random, random, random stuff. You know, based upon the kind everyday of stuff. Uh, everyday stuff. And whatever they do, you know, you'll have certain groups in the audience, right? Ha, ha, where ha, they ha. try to do all sorts of nonsense at that time. Right. So right. taking those into as ha, examples, ha. then trying to crack some joke. And this entire group now starts to listen to you. That's a very interesting thing that later happened. And those those now folks are also, you know, interested in you saying, that okay, this guy is, uh, you know, aligned with our thinking. He is also our ha, kind ha, of a guy. Ha, 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 ha. So let's listen to him. So. Got it. But you know what? As a teacher... You're trying to do something. I'm okay with this. Sorry, I'm going to like digress a little bit for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Go to today's stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of reels, okay? Mm-hmm. There were stand-up comedians who'd come prepared with topics and crack jokes. But today, if you see, have you noticed this pattern? I don't know if they come prepared to crack jokes or they have a list of topics. Right. They right. will use their audience only and roast them only and make a show out of it, man. Right, right. This is for some reason. See, as a teacher, it's okay for you to take somebody and make fun. But as a comedian, your profession is that you're supposed yeah. to do something apart from the people who are coming to watch your show roast now. So yeah, right. that's what I was thinking. But anyway, sorry, sorry about that to just go off the track. <clears throat> but what you said uh, just uh, triggered that particular thought for me. Yeah, see, these are probably in the entire two, two and a half hour space that I'm teaching. Uh-huh. These jokes will be somewhere around four to five, not more than that, you know. At times, you know, you go up. Of course, there's a balance. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, you yes, kind yes, of come yes, down. Yes. Otherwise, obviously, your old yeah, thing will be thrown off. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a fine balance, basically. Yeah. Got it. So now, uh, let's get back to Keats. So, uh, we spoke about Keats when you had the thought very much before you started your developing company, Caravel. But then, you know, uh, since uh, it things all fell into place. So, when officially did you start off Keats? And like, how was the journey like? Um, you know, we started off, I think, in the early 2018s. I don't 2018. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 2018. Uh, we launched it to our uh, audience in the, yeah, I think Q3 of 2018. Yeah, Q3 of 2018. That's where we kind of launched it. But there were alpha users coming in the Q2 of 2018. 
So we started early, you know, Jan 2018 is the point where we started off. Okay. Uh, Jan, so, Vamsi, uh, I'm sorry. I've only heard about beta users or beta testing. Alpha users are the main people, is it? Once it's fully done. Alpha users are internal close friends. Oh, beta users okay. are uh, people who, whom you give it out. So, ah, you know, okay. when friends used to visit us, we used to give our laptop to them, you know, ask them to log in. And... These are very, very close people. Got it, got it, got it. Beta oh. users are somebody you don't know. Okay. And then there is a public release where you give it out to entire service. Oh, this is the first time officially I'm hearing somebody use alpha users. Okay, great. So that is the thing, is it? Or is it your own? Yeah, it is a thing. It's a thing. Alpha users. Okay, fine. Alpha, beta and public. Okay, alpha testing, beta testing and public. Yeah. Alpha users, alpha testing. Got it. So you call them alpha users. It's fine to call them alpha users. Whoever are there. Yeah, whoever are there in the close quarters. Okay, fine. So uh, when you you started Keats, you were also having projects coming in. So uh, didn't you have a lot of projects that you could do Keats or did you have to really consciously balance the effort that went in between the projects that you took up and the Keats thing? That was hard. Uh, I had to balance it. Okay. It was extremely hard. That's one decision that I probably uh, would, I'll I'll, I'll not say regret, Hmm. but uh, I would have done it better Hmm. because uh, one way we wanted funds Hmm. to make sure that we run the show. Uh, and the other half is where we wanted to do something that we're passionate about hmm. and also, you know, trying to create a product. Okay. Of course, the uh, goal was to create a business out of it, hmm. but it was hard. Hmm. Uh, and the way we approach this problem is in two ways. One is I used to work the morning half for Caravel and evening half I used to work for Keeps. Okay. So morning 9 to 12, 1 until 1, we used to fo- I used to focus on uh, the, the consulting projects. Mm-hmm. The second half is where I used to work on this project because that took me almost uh, two, two and a half months to figure out that, okay, something is not good and let me break my day into two halves where the first okay. half I work for this company mm-hmm. and the second half I work for this. And the important decision that we took is the non-sharing of resources, you know, no sharing of resources, uh, meaning we isolated teams. We isolated the teams. For Keats, yeah. dedicated people who are It's the only person who shared is me. Okay. Uh, where I had to think of that and this as well. That's how I, I managed to pull it off. So your uh, your your uh, service company funded the Keats. Correct. Got it. Um, okay. Now, let's say, you know, we'll go to the point where you've completed building Keats and it's, you know, ready for the public. It did go public, right? At some point, yes, it went yeah, public. Yeah, yeah. Now, before that, uh, I just want to touch upon one more topic. Because, you know, you told when you spoke about Keats, you said you made a decision. 95% of it is going to be interactive. Only 5% is going to be video-based teaching and stuff like that. You totally yeah. didn't want that. Now, when you talk about interactive, it involves a lot of psychology, right? Mm-hmm. You need to know the users, how they respond and stuff like that. It's not simply, you know... Uh, whatever is on textbook, you're not putting it out there. I'm right. sure you have your own value proposition there for it to be a USP. Right. Now, um, how much, I mean, did you really have to like kind of go deep into psychology as well or that just came naturally and you figured it out easily? What What is no, the process? No, we there? hired a psychology consultant as well for Keats. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. In order to help us, you know, it was more on to understanding the patterns of data. And ah, how they interact and what's the time that uh, you know somebody can focus on because interactive when you get bored right, uh, right. after certain time videos you can you can just put it in front of your screen and start viewing it and after some time you might pause it and come back and things like that. 
we did that intentionally for kids for one reason programming needs to be interactive so that you know it's like i can't teach you a guitar just by looking at a video you need right. to have a guitar yeah. in your hand right so that was the idea so making it interactive we want them to come code sit and type or click mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. so not just watching the video mm-hmm. and uh, we hired a psychology consultant and uh, she helped us out in understanding certain metrics you know how students respond and things like that and we were able to incorporate a few of her ideas in the product and uh, also trying to understand from the data that we have collected and sharing that data back with the consultant saying that okay this is this is the assumption that we made and this is the data that we have can we correlate these assumptions and data that's something that we have done wow so to all the people who are building something to do with uh, teaching especially in this mode uh it's not just the content so it is also uh, you know a, a psychologist is also part of the team is what i uh, learned because i just asked you casually i just thought you might have read something and did something but uh, okay and this really made an impact the uh, i'd say it did definitely for sure because uh, the learning was faster when you have somebody from a expertise you know right an expert being coming onto the table and trying to help you out hmm. definitely whatever experiments that you wanted to run for uh, you know four months five months and then getting the data and correlating with it you happen to make that in four days you know as simple as that so i always believe in experts because uh, they kind of pace it up you know right move things faster see right and that's how it helped us a lot in pacing we would have definitely if if you if you ask me a question like if the psychology is not there on the table will yeah, what would yeah. happen yeah probably it would have taken us 4 5 months to figure figure it out ourselves ha huh. but this helped us to pace it up faster within 10 15 days we were able to put that into our system and uh, trying to understand uh, you know different behavioral patterns uh, size of the lesson is pretty important in interactive courses so mm. what's the attention span what's the size of the courses that we'll have to create we started creating what 40 minute interactive courses which is like a shittiest thing that somebody can do long time broken that into multiple halves you know our each slot was almost 11 12ish minutes ha huh. uh, not more than that some some hard topics came down to 7 minutes also okay so okay. multiple things that we did around it so it helps us helped us a lot in terms of understanding the human behavioral patterns and right. especially in again uh, she also gave us some insights on the demographic how does the demographic behave and things like so experts always pace pace your things and this psychology expert was um, specifically working with the learning communities no 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 she was uh, with a university okay uh, it was, it was central university in hyderabad so she was with the university at that time and she was a professor there she helped us got it okay but because we are as a teacher for her to also identify you know she is a psychology professor teacher oh okay so, okay okay got it got it got it yeah it's a right mix got it yeah. very sweet mix a sweet spot uh, to have somebody's expertise in so uh, vamsi uh, now let's say you're built now you need to make the sales bring in the money and all those things which is the most uh, difficult thing i think any entrepreneur deals with product is there right. everything is there making money so what what happened did you uh, how did you sell it what were your learnings okay so two things with respect of kids uh, one thing is that we thought it's easy for us to get going mm-hmm. uh, but it became really hard for us we after 3 months uh, we had almost 9000 users on the platform okay vamsi sorry sorry uh, one quick clarification so kids is a platform for people to learn programming 
Correct. Which includes all the three things that you said, is it? Thinking, translating it into algorithm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, the so language is also coding. Them, also. We teach them Python, C, C++, Java, HTML. All those courses are there. Just like, you know, if you look at Udemy, huh. you have all these, you know, you learn Java, learn mm-hmm, Python, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in the form of videos. Instead, here you'll have it as interactive bite-sized lessons. Got it. Cool. As simple as that. Cool. Sorry, uh, uh, you were talking about having 9,000 students. Yeah, we initially launched it. I think mid of 2018, we launched it. Okay. Um, when we launched it, uh, people loved the platform. I can say for sure because people used to do these interactive. We have been tracking a lot of metrics at that time. Hmm. People used to do these uh, interactive courses at 2 a.m. in the morning, 1 a.m. in the morning. Okay. 1 a.m. in the morning, there were times where we had 300 students. Wow, okay. So we really know that people are interested. Uh, but the biggest challenge comes with the monetary angle. Monetary angle, right? yeah. Because now that it's interactive, again, one of the biggest challenges that we had at that time is managing our infrastructure. Right. Our cloud right. infrastructure. Because right. we keep, uh, we end up in paying a lot for cloud infrastructure. So then we started figuring out various options on how do we get that cloud infrastructure built mm-hmm. down. You know, the, the costing down. So we did a lot of experiments there. We saved almost uh, 30, 40,000. You know, that came off our tech expertise in building systems and crafting mm-hmm. systems for mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. So we did those experiments and uh, it was kind of uh, not easy. There are a lot of free users, uh, but almost close to, I'd say, not even in two digits, right? Uh, somewhere around 40, 50 were paid users. Okay. You have tens and thousands of, you know, 10,000 people as free users. free users. On the other side, you have people, 50, 60 people paying for your product. So that was the kind of situation we are in. And then uh, B2C in India is, is very hard, you know, uh, talking about which, you know, directly when you reach out to people, uh, especially the student market, uh, the initial thing was to make it free. That will definitely help you a lot. But if you want somebody to pay for your courses, it's really, really, really hard. Okay. Uh, and that too, uh, probably would have uh, thought of it as a Duolingo that kind of put us in a very bad spot because Duolingo had a, a easy growth uh, in terms of free users. Okay. And they also took a hard time in figuring out what their paid users look like. But we always used to compare ourselves with Duolingo. That became a problem because that's a application catering to the US markets and the Western markets. Right. Ours is an Indian market. Right. right. So it kind of uh, is... We, we kind of tried to compare ourselves to Duolingo and we thought, okay, this will be the simple game. But that didn't happen at all. For one reason, a lot of people are free, but a lot of uh, people don't want to pay. Right. And right. still there is a fear, you know, most of the people at that time, even today, I guess so, had this fear of what is the value that I get? Right. You know, um, and even if somebody finish up and finishes up an entire course, uh, right. Our courses right. used to start at fifteen hundred rupees to three thousand rupees online. The immediate question somebody asks me is the what is the value that I get? Mm. We used to go to colleges again. We used to visit a lot of colleges that invited us for our Python lectures and classes to evangelize kids as a right. product. Right. Make them sign up and introduce that to them. That became an easier thing for us because we had connects. Um, but the immediate question once you are done with it, you know, you have this fifteen hundred rupee, three thousand rupee. Uh, models priced for you, you can pick this up. The immediate question that comes to you is what is the value that I get? Okay. Learning as a value is, I would say, 
very much underrated so uh, even today i i guess that that is that is kind of happening quite often nobody appreciates learning even if you are learning something so it's really hard for the student you know from from ages probably 18 to 22 in the indian ecosystem they don't spend money for learning okay. and this probably will come when you have a sales team in house it cannot be a product led growth people do not in india do not come to you saying that hey do you have a product are you helping me learn i'll pay for you that's not the kind of ecosystem that we are in there needs to be a sales division that drives this every single day thing right right and uh, that kind of uh, also is you know when you establish a sales market you know that right yeah you kind of uh, i don't want to speak about it but you kind of go and sometimes into a non ethical zone in order to sell a product uh which is kind of uh, i i'll not say it's bad but you tell 100 things to them uh, 100 things to them that this is possible that is possible for them to make a sale you know for 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 the sales guy to make a sale you, you tell them 100 things so we were like we always envisioned this is a product led thing you know growing thing but again we are trying to build up a sales team probably hundreds and hundreds of sales team uh, members of the sales team should come in otherwise kids would have been some sort of sort of a white hat junior you know exactly, if you would have taken yeah. that yeah. route it would have definitely become a white hat junior white hat junior has other learning class courses and things like but definitely would have become that way. Hmm. uh hmm. but probably for a different demographic that is white hat junior is for a kids It's, demographic hmm. uh but this would have been in in this space hmm. and uh, most of the people started contacting us for placement because the end goal hmm. uh for hmm. a bachelor student you know, first year student is to get in to a job you know get a placement hmm. and that placement module was kind of missing and we started to build that uh but yeah uh, to answer your question it was pretty hard for us to convert all these users uh in the initial days hmm. but the few users were growing crazy every single day we are adding 500 600 700 users right but paid users we had to make we we also did that again we'll we'll get back to that conversation later okay. but yeah to answer your question this this was more of it got it so okay you said what could have been right you spoke about uh, sales people and all those things you definitely thought about it and you made a conscious decision to make it product led growth and all those things um and uh, one of your methods were visiting institutions and then Correct. pitching and then you did that uh you said whatever numbers you said all these numbers are despite that is it despite you visiting colleges and everything you know it was there uh, sometimes you know the colleges used to help other colleges where we had posters being sent you know we had uh, because the demographic everybody are in colleges okay so that's the reason we were reaching out to colleges and okay. uh, you know there used to be we never ran marketing ads on facebook or digital media any sort of stuff because okay. we really wanted to see test the waters in the initial is what what is the traction probably you know we would have done it if we would have crossed 50000 students but you we were to say at, uh, free users yeah free itself if you would have crossed 50 thousand then you might have gone uh, digital marketing and things like that. that that was the goal okay so what was the uh, you know highest it went in terms of free users also so we went up to 35000 people okay and the paid users at that point was uh i think roughly around in 100 you'll have them in 100 not even more than that more not even more than that less than 1% yeah okay 
And so, what was the uh, problem? Like, you know, did you diagnose the problem? Problem was extremely simple. Uh, value creation. And uh, value creation, even if you are able to do it, mm-hmm. that value creation needs to be in a way people understand that, okay, this is going to help me in something else. Okay. Uh, okay. If, if I would have put it in this way, you know, if, if you would have said 30,000 rupees for this bundle, you get a placement interview, probably it would have been a different direction. Huh. Okay. So the final value creation, what does a, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about a bunch of demographics here just to understand what I'm talking when I, when I use the word value creation, right? Let's say if you are selling a product for kids, okay, right? An education product for kids, the value creation there is, uh, being a ranker in the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are creating a science product, uh, getting high scores every single day because mm-hmm. that gives the dad a high feel, right? Correct. Or Correct. the mom Correct. a high feel on, okay, uh, you know, my, my kid is doing really well. He's a ranker. Mm. That's the final thing. You know, mm. if you are creating the a product, outcome. Yeah, the outcome, I would say. Um, and then you have the other demographic of plus one, plus two. Mm. Mm. There, your creation becomes your IATG, IATG. Rank or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, neat ranks or things like that. Yes. So increase your rank by 1000, 2000 and and when it comes to this demographic, uh, the uh, you know undergraduate demographic, you have to tell them a placement. Placement jobs, jobs, right? The right. final value creation. Right. So this is something that we realized, you know, after working on it, and we were about to do that placement thing also as part of kids. But what we understood is that this value creation is something that the other person needs to understand. And if you want to make them understand that this is the value creation that you're doing, you'll have to do some sales calls. Mm. You can't, cannot do that by just putting a banner on your web page. Okay. You need to help them understand. Either you go to them, talk to them, give a seminar, identify a bunch of folks and get your sales done. Right. Or the other way is calling them. Two yes. things. Right. So th- this is at a, at a very broad level. The problem is, you know, when you have an education product that there, there needs to, I think I'll add one more thing. So one, uh, this concept of uh, giving them the final goal mm. needs to be direct, direct in the sense whoever is paying for that. And the mm. second way, if you connect with them and do the sales thing, or the third thing is where somebody comes in and says, Hey, you know, I have used XYZ platform and I was able to score this much. You know, that, that referral also works. Right. So your friend coming to you and saying that, Hey, you know, I have cracked this exam because I've been using this platform. Right. Definitely got to yeah. pay for it. Right. So any of these three things should happen from a B2C perspective. Okay. You didn't pursue in that direction. We did. Uh, you know, the reason why we kind of uh, had to stop working on kids is uh, during pandemic, hmm. you know, 2020 is when the pandemic right. roughly got hit. Right. Uh, and during pandemic, we were visiting a lot of colleges. Okay. And I got this, the backstory for this is uh, we understood that, okay, Hey, the kid is not directly interested. So we'll have to build a sales team, which we don't have a plan of building a sales team yet. We are not against the concept of setting up a sales team, but Hey, let's not do it because we don't have funds on the plate or we kind of uh, don't want to get into that direction very soon. So let's try to evangelize by going to visiting institutions. So we started doing that. We went and visited a lot of institutions. We gave them free logins, you know, free user logins to everyone. People started playing around with the platform. People started learning Python. People started learning a lot of things. And then 
uh, we came back and uh, saw our metrics. The metrics were very low in terms of the paid user, auto paid user conversion. Uh, even though we went there, because we thought, okay, letting them know at this point in time and creating a, a really good, uh, uh, you know, intuition in them will help us make sales. But that didn't happen. And then the other way happened, where we spoke to the college mm-hmm. management. Mm-hmm. We said, hey, we have a product. We'll bundle it for you. For all the students, you'll be getting this bundle. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of pitch that we've put forth. So from here, you from B two C, you're trying to go to B two B two C. B two B two C. Right. It is still B two C, but it's B two B two C. Right. We went there and we said, hey, uh, you, we have this in place. So do you, are you interested? Then the answer started to be positive. Okay. Uh, you know, people were like, okay, uh, give us n logins, but this time we wanted logins for our teachers as well. Because okay. teachers need to be approved. Uh, it's a fund that is coming from the management. Mm. We will do whatever it takes internally, but this is a fund that directly comes from the management. Mm. And uh, share us a few logins. We will let you know. We will work on it. Mm. And we'll get back to you. Mm. But there were a few agreements that already went into picture. And because of the pandemic, we had to you know take them off. off. And they also requested for us to come for every three months, you know, once in a quarter. Uh, if you can send a trainer, you know, helping them understand kids in a better way. Mm. It will mm. help us a lot in terms of helping our folks understand. Because some people might be new uh, and give us metrics as well. Give us dashboards for college. Okay. Uh, who is performing really well. We had to again create a dashboard module for college and things like that. Mm. Uh, that's a different thing. But this kind of work, uh, you know, going to colleges, visiting the management and helping them explain. But again, this is a long process. Uh, it will take like one, two months, three months for them to sign sign off. Uh, but there are positive things coming up onto the table. Uh, and then, you know, uh, at that time when we wanted to pursue this in full scale, the pandemic hit. Pandemic hit. Yeah. Uh, and we had, you know, nobody is at, even at colleges and right. everybody were going into a mode where, okay, we'll have to protect ourselves. Right. And that's yeah. where, that's the very reason why we had to shelve down the project. And uh, on the flip side, uh, we had a lot of projects onto the table. Hmm. Uh, hmm. You know, we thought we there'll be no projects at all, but a lot of organizations are getting an online uh, platform for themselves. Right. Um, education institutions, uh, a lot of e-com companies, every, everybody are trying to get into the completely online space. And that's where, uh, on the flip side, where we had huge pipeline that is being built for the consulting projects. And then we had to pursue that because here we had... Yeah, you had to also survive and sustain. Yeah, it was was really hard for us to say. And a lot of colleges started calling us saying that, hey, can we postpone this pandemic hit and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we are really interested. Can you do this for us? And then we thought, okay, let's... It's it's been a hard journey for us for the last... uh, uh, you know, nine ten months. So let's park it for now and let's revisit that back later. Is the decision that we took. So, Vamsi, when you said you peaked at thirty five thousand free users, right, and mm-hmm. then you had hardly hundred. So, how much money were you spending on a monthly basis to keep it alive? Ah, uh, that's an interesting question. So, I would say close to uh, four four point five lakhs per month. Wow. Okay. And you weren't even funded? No. Your uh, developer uh, company was funding uh, so this? this is this is the calculation that I did out of uh, the cloud infrastructure, our expenses for visit- visiting colleges, uh, the developers that are there on yeah, the table. The salaries everything. you're paying, everything. Yeah, everything. Right. Right. 
I'll say yeah, roughly in the zone of four four lakhs is something that you can definitely do. Okay. And uh, Vamsi, you said you made a mistake by comparing yourself to Duolingo mainly because Duolingo's target market was US and the Western countries, and ours is India. Like, what exactly are these differences? What makes them different from us? Okay, so one comparison. The reason why I brought that up is one comparison is that's a different domain. It's a different domain. This program domain language is, is different. Yes, yes, yes. Right, languages is a fundamental thing. You know, it's a prim- it's primitive. Correct. So you, what we thought was okay. You know, we are obsessed about you know we are tech guys and we are obsessed about something. We are obsessed about something. Right. We kind of uh, reject every single thought that comes into our head. Right. We right. were in a state where okay, programming languages are important and everybody needs to learn programming. Uh, till today, I'll not say you know programming languages are not important. Programming languages are still good for everyone. Probably everyone should learn how to program. Uh, it helps you a lot in your daily life as well. You know, your thinking and things like that. But uh, at that time, the comparison was more. We thought it was apples apples comparison, but later we realized it's apples oranges comparison. Uh, one is uh, one was that we were constantly comparing ourselves to the growth trajectory of the Duolingo users, right? Because right. English as a language is is required. You know, if you have to step out of India or if you have to step out of a country, the market is way bigger when market. compared to this. Correct. That's a fundamental thing. You have to live. Yes. And that's yes. the reason you'll have to speak a language. Yes. Here it was. This is a career thing, right? Right. The language learning languages is not a fundamental thing. Right. It's more right. onto a career option kind of thing. Right. So that's where we uh, probably would have taken a wrong comparison. Right. And uh, the growth in other companies, sorry, other countries, is kind of uh, I'll not say easy, but the kind of uh, techniques or the marketing that they do is kind of a bit di- different. Right. Because like if you pick up US as a country or Canada as a country. Probably Canada is a bad option because of the again the language thing. We are a country with almost 140 crore population today. Right. Right. And uh, the diversity that you have, the kind of language language that you we talk, it might not be good enough for another person. Right. Right. Uh, you have a crazy. Di- we are in a country where the completely diverse ecosystems. Right. Uh, from state to state, things change. From uh, you know sometimes. Within states, things change. Right. The kind right. of thinking that you have changes, and it's 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 a lot more diverse. But it's not that diverse in with the Western world. So most of the people talk English. It's a common language for them. Mm. Probably right. they'll ask, uh, you know, which what place are you from? Uh, you'll have to ask, but we need not ask here, right? If you are from Correct. a Bangalore, it, it's easy for me to understand you're from Bangalore. You talk with me for five minutes, I'll be able to tell you. So that is the kind of wrong comparison that we did when we are comparing. applications uh in the western world versus applications in the indian world you'll have to be more local here uh, for example just to give you some context around the way uh an academy have pulled it off for their upsc and things like that mm-hmm. they went completely local the language of teaching was hindi right we never had hindi on kids mm-hmm. but the later thought was okay should we do this should we do this other language kind of a communication Uh, on on kids, hmm. but again, as I told you, the reason was more onto uh, what to do at that time, and it was a roughly one and a one year nine month journey, hmm. not even close to two years, hmm. uh, and pandemic hit. Hmm. That's the reason we have shared it. But the very reason of trying to compare the Western world versus India is very bad, if you ask me. Hmm. So you'll have to be more local in terms of your content if you're building an application. Got it. And uh, you'll also have to remember that you know when you talked about psychology, that the, the thing that 
comes to my mind every single time is understanding that demographic psychology within the state so you will always have to have when you are trying to build some something in india probably i'll say have a map on your if you if you're building a uh, country wide application have a map on your table as an entrepreneur uh trying to identify okay what is the spot for ap what is the spot for karnataka what is the spot for maharashtra mm. delhi mm. haryana up so try figuring out where do you wanted to take this product and try checking for uh you know the local stuff you know the local things there in that specific place if you are building a country wide application and that gives you a good growth and our country is a population with 140 crores and the median age of the country is 28 right now Right. Then you have the population is about twenty-eight. Half the population is below twenty-eight. Right. So you have seventy crores about twenty-eight. Seventy crore below twenty-eight. So that gives you another dimension of so much young population. Yeah. Now, if you drill it down to twenty-one to twenty-eight, how many people would have been there, and what demographic these states go into? Now, if you keep narrowing down the data that you have, and then place them on your map, and then if you try to sell it, if I'm trying to sell this product to a Um, you know, North Indian guy. Um, hate to call it a North Indian guy, but still in the northern India of <laughs> northern part of India, uh, you will have to use Hindi as a primary language because nobody, if um, not everybody, will know the language that you wanted them to know. So again, dialect also matters. You know, right. if you can't, yeah. cannot even say, okay, this is this Hindi and this is that. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. so what I would recommend is going into that zone when it comes to, you know. Building applications in India, and that was the bad, very bad mistake that we started to do, uh, comparing the US markets, US applications, and Indian applications. Okay, so Vamsi, if I have to understand right, to summarize what you said, if you would have probably had this insight, are you are you trying to say that you must have built kits in different languages for different parts of India? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Okay. Fine. And keeping it more local. uh probably uh, the one idea that we so what do you mean when you say keeping it more local beyond language something you mean to say is it yeah uh the faces you know probably the one ah. mistake that uh, that we would have done is completely ditching the video based ha ah, relatability or connection was missing correct relatability was missing probably you know it's fine to go with the idea of interactive learning hmm. probably I, i told you that 95% was interactive learning and 5% was video learning we would have made it at least 85 15 okay uh okay. 85% is interactive learning and 15% video learning hmm. content video content hmm. and all this video content that we are if you would have done it in a local way hmm. where, where the more local guys come in and talk about things hmm. it would have been much much easier for us hmm. got it that's what i'm trying to say okay cool okay so one is we can say that keeds doesn't have a relatability or connection now that what it does is it opens you up to a bigger market right so yeah. but you stuck to india is it you never went outside of india ha huh. that's a very interesting question so we were about to launch so that's what we've decided okay this is not working in india huh. probably it is working to a very small extent hmm. let's try to pitch into the other markets hmm. we wanted to build a mobile application for that sir okay. because we were only running on a web app web app okay hmm. uh that is kind of a completely that would have been a game changer if we would have built a mobile application mm. first instead of a web application the biggest mistake that we have done is going with a web application first we would have went with a mobile application first in order to crack the market and have more downloads would you follow this strategy across 
uh, all educational topics. Anybody into B2C education, would you say first go with mobile app and not web app? Controversial thing, but yes. Okay. Why controversial? So some people might say, you know, uh, see, mobile application comes in handy because this this is this device is there with you for what almost, almost uh, yeah. entire day, entire day. And there so are more cell phones uh, than laptops, right? In India, if exactly, you exactly. So this is with you more time, and uh, it's a no-brainer for you to think of mobile applications being the first stakeholders. Right. Uh, but some people they might want cloud labs and things like that, which ah, is hard for you to type on mobile phones. Mobile phones, phones right. Uh, and uh, some people might not have the infrastructure to, to launch in the App Store because App Store and Google Store, if you have to launch it, it takes about uh, a week's time for you to get published onto App Store given your app is ready hmm. and uh, you are completely compliant with the, all the terms that the Apple guy is telling you. Hmm. Right? The same goes with uh, Play Store also. Hmm. So the infrastructure that you need to create and the com- compliances that you'll have to meet in order to produce yourself into the App Store and the Play Store hmm. is not easy. Right? It requires some kind of uh, developer knowledge, some kind of additional effort that you'll have to put in in order to build the entire app. And so definitely it's it's a very uh, important thought that everybody who is getting into the education space to start off with mobile and then probably Go to have Google. a web app. Okay. So you're uh, now looking to launch it with the, in the Western market, in the US and all those things. So yeah, that... That actually, you know, I when you when we actually discussed about this, I thought, okay, I'll announce it during the podcast itself. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> the, the one important decision that we took three weeks back okay. is how can we revive Keats? Uh, right. Because again, uh, the name Keats came from John Keats, right? As a great English poet, mm. I think of beauty is joy forever uh, as something that he have written as a piece of line in his uh, phrases. Hmm. So for us, when I look at that thing of programming, it gives me, used to give me a lot of hype. Okay. And I thought, okay, artists, we always used to feel like artists, you know, as being programmers, we always used to feel as artists and that is a great, he's the greatest man. And he lived for a very short time on the planet. Um, and I said, I felt, okay, let me use John Keats name and name, name it in his thing. Uh, later. Yeah. Probably the name might change now uh, because of multiple reasons. But we are relaunching Keats in the next few months. Uh, but this time it doesn't have any commercial uh, uh, angle to it. Oh. It's going to be 100% free of cost. Okay. 100% uh, uh, you know, open source. And uh, no idea of ever having a monetary angle to it. It will be free forever. So uh, <laughs> I've read this line of late in the social media. I mean, I think since a long time, if something is free, then you are the product. <laughs> the user is the product. <laughs> Can I so say maybe, Yeah, it, it is going to be completely free. Uh, probably early uh, Q2 will be, uh, sorry, Q1 of 2024. No, no, not Q1 of 2024. Within like, if you're, I'm actually going to the financial queues, Q1s, Q2s, that's the reason I'm getting confused. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah, Q2 of uh, 2023, you will have the entire product revived and you'll have it on the web. For free, for free. Okay, can I probe you? Like, I mean, uh, what what are you gonna take away from being free? Uh, nothing. See, we are making some money from our consulting businesses and things like that. Uh, we are in a good shape, and we we've also we are launching a few other products as well. Okay. Uh, uh, we don't have a idea right now to. No, we we are comfortable. We are not in a oh, pretty bad okay. shape. We are comfortable in terms of our run rates and things like that. Uh, so now. 
you know it's it's just you know whatever we have done it in the past you just want to get it there okay fine yeah you and don't mind not making money from it is it yeah i don't uh, probably some thought comes in later on if somebody keeps probing me for a very long time i'll look at it uh, but i can say that uh, most of it will still remain free if somebody comes in and says hey there is a lot of opportunity to it let me be honest you know everybody has that uh, greed right towards Uh, making something right. so if somebody probes me saying that okay hey there is a lot of value to it can you do this uh, still uh, to put it in a very honest way i'll put 95% of the application probably 5% will be from a monetary perspective but huh. i wish that it remains 100% free forever uh, but yeah if if some some angle comes in i'll still keep the 95% and 5% all from the monitor interesting yeah, so we are all probabilistic scientists so we always try to keep that zone open that's the reason okay so okay guys here it's just i think uh, those who are listening those who are wondering yeah this is just wamsi doing wamsi things so there's nothing for you to take away from going free whatever you've built uh, you might have to figure out why exactly might be doing it but he says you know he can do it so he's doing it that's about it he's uh, worked uh, on it he's built it he wants to you know he wants it to see the market basically but wamsi interesting thing at least for me you said learning is uh, learning products are slightly underrated and people are hesitant to pay money right yeah. i don't know i might i i might be ignorantly asking you this question but udemy uh, is still in the market uh, i'm not even sure if they're profitable or not but they are uh, they don't have a sales team uh yeah. they only uh, uh sell excessively by excessive marketing like digital marketing right email emails 100%. and sale and all those things so you never uh, tried going in that route for skits again see, we were ignorant in the initial days okay and uh, later we you know have seen other platforms and how they are doing it and this is that time we were young as well in terms of okay okay looking at the mindset ha ha Udemy till today has ninety five percent off on every of their courses. Exactly, yeah. You know, there are a bunch of marketing gimmicks that they try to play around. We would have also done that, but um, but yeah, pure marketing would have helped us make better sales. Uh, and and a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people have trust in videos mm, because right. they always can refer back, right? And um, right, okay, refer back. Huh. And and my notion, you know, also changed a bit. Uh, I told you, eighty five fifteen. But at that time, that was the thought process. You know, I told initially we thought ninety five five percent of the videos, ninety five percent of the content is right. interactive. Right. After that, after doing a bunch of experiments, we came down to a zone. Okay, hey, let's do fifteen eighty five. Let's still stick to it. Now, if you ask me, I'll make it sixty forty or seventy thirty. Mm. You know, my uh, thing for videos have gone away. You know about, but it still has to be interact. Probably, you know, a person sitting and coding there. It shouldn't be kind of somebody teaching on the blackboard. <laughs> so, so the the confidence that people have in them when they when they're trying to purchase a course online from a place like Udemy and things like that is the ability for them to go and revisit the video later at any point in their lifetime. Every every course is a lifetime course. Right? Once you pay for a course in Udemy, it's there for you forever. Right. So that gives them a lot of confidence and resources that Udemy gives you. You know, you have files downloaded and things like correct, that. Correct, that, correct, that correct. There's something to so take away. That, yeah, that's something that people are gonna trust from a PLG perspective, you know, and then pay for it. Got it, man. And again, Udemy. I don't know to what extent they they'll definitely get a lot of money from this programming domain, 
and udemy is a marketplace right you have all sorts of courses all sorts of courses you don't have this programming you have uh, cooking you have programming you have finance you have uh, office management project management every such yeah yeah so that's a bigger marketplace in terms of and and their marketing might be different for different different domains got it bamsi so bamsi uh, final topic that i like to touch upon uh, something that we spoke when we met you i mean uh, on the phone before the podcast you told about how you scaled up your company from 3 to 41 and it's not just about scaling up right i mean a lot of things to it like for example you touched upon how you felt the need for a people's team like somebody to manage the people in your company and to address a lot of things and to kind of streamline and set things right uh this might be for your software development company but building a team is a team for any entrepreneur right so right. for people listening uh you know for people those who are in that stage of growing from 3 to 40 or 50 you know what is it that you would like to share what exactly did you did and how did it impact uh, what difference has it made right uh, i think first three people four people you'll not have any um, complaints because you get to speak with them on phone directly or somebody sitting beside you you speak to them communicate with them directly and get your things done right uh, even 5 6 it's going to be the same way mm. probably you will um, you know easily make the conversations mm. so it's it's very simple that the reason why we added more people onto the team is we have a lot of work to be shared uh, i was doing all sorts of uh, activities you know i was doing my finance finance and since the company finance i'm taking care of it i'm doing the management i'm doing the sales i'm doing the coding work at night i'm doing everything uh, except cleaning my office i'm doing everything okay right? uh, so at least you know i had that privilege of uh, hiring somebody to do that for me uh but except doing that i'm doing every single thing and uh, there was a lot of work on my plate and i had to share it so we started hiring developers because that was the first initial step that we took hiring developers and then this developers grew uh as these guys were growing somewhere around 9 and 10 hmm. uh with a bottleneck saying that okay i'll have to go through uh so recruitment in this software space is extremely hard okay uh, the conversion rate is i'd say 100 is to 5 you interview 100 people you only take 5 people is it 5 people something like that okay and sometimes it comes to a very low number sometimes two also so out of 1000 people that we have gone through in the past 8 9 months uh, not like one and a half years not eight, just 8 8 months uh, we did filter somewhere close to 1200 and we were only able to hire roughly close to 18 or 16 oh my god okay right so there was a lot to do on the talent acquisition by then Okay. So that's where I wanted somebody to take care of that. Okay. So now I hired a person onto my ops role where the initial idea was to post on this wide variety of platforms you right. have uh, right. platforms right. like uh, you know LinkedIn uh, and then angel.co and then internshala you have hutshot so all these yeah. platforms. Yeah. So we had to post this onto these platforms and then get uh, a lot of resumes that was again shared with another person. And then as the developers grew uh one thing that i had in my mind is uh not being able to communicate with the way i used to communicate with another developer you know mm. uh, there are some people still till today i haven't seen those faces you know uh, two three days back they have they are hired in the company okay. i haven't okay. met with them so okay. i'll make okay. sure i meet with them in the next 15 days uh, after their hire date but i haven't met with them so okay. there needs to be a process in terms of uh onboarding. getting to uh, onboarding them getting to talk to them talk about the company they are in and trust me on this that find people that who can stay with you for a longer time hmm. uh 
I don't believe in the concept of in year also. I I'd say if you are building a company, I've been so persistent for about five years, standing solo, uh, trying to uh, draw all my energies at one spot and trying to build the organization. Every single time when there is a hire, you should see whether that person is sticking with you for at least two two to three years. Okay. I put it five years for them. It might be scary sometimes to the other person. Right. I put it five years. Right. It will be really really scary for some person saying that okay, why is this person saying five years? But genuinely, I want somebody to stick with me for five years. Company is not something that you can take over or take it up the ladder within like two three years. That's not gonna happen. Some piece of work that you're doing will have to do it. You'll have to do it for many years or so. 10 12 years or so you need to spend a decade on it so that's the reason if you put in a lot of effort in terms of getting the right set of people to build it for you and uh, work especially when it comes to bootstrap startups it cannot be 9 to 5 right right uh, you will have to start your day it's okay to start your day at 11 right but probably you'll have to work un- 11 until 11 pm right right 11 am right. in the morning to 11 pm so there are times where every there are some times where my developers you know my uh, team members they sit for longer until 3 am wow i feel wow. bad for you know them to be on calls but they're happy you know they don't have any complaints saying that okay i'm i'm enjoying my work i'm doing whatever it takes so while this is growing uh, i need to make sure that each and every individual needs to be personally connected if there is any complaint from somebody mm-hmm. saying that hey uh, i am not able to you know we we get a lot of uh, projects consulting projects onto the table and sometimes they might be bored about the project uh somebody needs to go in on a regular basis and talk to them of what issues are you facing and things like that that made me uh, increase uh, you know when when i'm increasing my team size i i made sure that there is an effective communication being done with the team member right i hate to use the word employee that's the reason i'm using the word team member because it's it's like a team play right it's like playing football you need to give the right pass to the other member to hit a goal right so right. that's where we tried to kind of uh, there were hard times in the initial days but this stopped when we started creating our people team uh the people team now has just two people in it uh, one is senior guy uh, who is into placements and things like that he came in he's helping us out in every way possible to communicate hmm. Uh, hmm. he touch bases with every single individual on a weekly basis every single week four times a week he'll touch base with them and i get to uh, if there is any issue four times I, a month you mean four times a month yeah so four times a month if there is any issue that uh, the big team member raises we'll go there figure it out sort it out and things like there are some people you know we might forget you know we don't have an hr team we have a people people team. team right hr team does some set of activities people team is being you know i created it for my own reasons god uh, we call him the chief of staff on our people team i created it to make sure that everybody is individually connected right and the real genuine uh, concerns are being sorted at the earliest right we right. you know now that we don't have a hr team this creates another problem uh, where we don't have a track this is somebody who is there in us with us for a longer period of time uh, we might want to give them an appraisal or hike right so right. now our people team is trying to get that to me right now saying that okay this person have already you know spent one year time with us six months time with us and in turn have spent six months time with us. is there an So we have created ladders and immediately getting them sorted, resolved. Talk to them, get it resolved. You know, make them happy at times and things like that. So and uh, it's really important who can uh, completely understand what you are trying to build. In the same way, enjoy the kind of work that you do in your you know the daily work that you do. Unless and until that happens, nobody is gonna 
uh, you know stay with you for a longer time and it's important to uh, also look at firing as an option sometimes you know when you when you when you are in a bootstrap ecosystem hmm. equally hire is important fire is also important okay. if somebody is okay. not resonating with you uh, somebody is not um, is not loving the work and there is a lot of burn right every single month yeah. there is a lot of yeah. burn that you are trying to do so we done sometimes kind then go back our people team does it again uh, where okay this is not working out for us let's come on to a middle ground what do we do and then say okay let's let's part ways and things like that but f- from right from 3 to 41 whatever journey that we have gone through mm-hmm. i think i'll put it in uh, i'll conclude in five things one uh, trying to establish a direct communication that needs to be one person who communicates with everyone okay uh, at least trying to know their thinking you know what's there in their head right Uh, and communicate it to the leadership. That's one. And the second thing is, uh, don't hire somebody who doesn't does not resonate your thought process right. or or the kind right. of work that you're trying to. Right. It shouldn't be for the sake of joining the organization. Sometimes you know we will have a lot of work, but we don't have people. Hmm. Sometimes we'll have a lot of people, not have work. Right. But right. imagine a situation where if somebody is passionate, deeply passionate about staying with you, you can do something for right. the other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if even if we are in a state where we have lot of work and no people we put in tremendous amount of effort to get the right person got it right and uh, the third one is uh, uh, trying to help them uh, learn about the cross functional domain because that's where the youth is currently uh, pretty much interested in mm-hmm. let's say if somebody is in our back end team he wants to learn front end mm-hmm. you know giving them that path of exploration saying that okay hey can you do this you know they'll be super excited super pumped uh that's the other thing and definitely fourth point is something from the monetary perspective uh making sure that the industry is now super crazily heated up because of the recession and things like that uh but it's really important to protect their uh, interests and making sure they are paid right time uh because that's from the beginning of the company one thing that i've struggled so hard is to get their payments out on the last weeks uh, last days of the month got uh, it we we start looking at things from 29th to 31st everything which should be sorted out got it if it's february 28th it needs to be sorted out so something like that has been genuinely there we have been doing that because that came out of a different notion of we have seen our parents you know right. everybody used to push somebody into a garment job right. because of the job right. safety right uh and getting yourself paid in time right. because the garment does it yeah but the other way around on the industry in the private sector uh, now it changed there is a flip where the government is not able to pay properly and then the private sectors are yeah. really nice yeah. to people uh, but we wanted i have seen my parents grow that way and they were you know my relatives talking about government jobs and things like that i really wanted to give them a trust factor mm. so that's something that we have done it for every single individual right from 3 to 40 we keep telling this your positions will be moved after 3 months if it's an intern the positions will be immediately uh, you know talked about in 6 months time so something that sorts are uh, done every single time and uh, at least once a month or twice a month uh, the ceo of the organization has to go in there give them a crazy talk that gives them a high and come back <laughs> right so that's also needs to be there like a pep talk got it yeah like a pep talk How long does it reach? Uh, which one? The pep talk. How long does it last? <laughs> uh, I'll keep it very short. You know, people are bored. You know, this this age group, right. and we are in right now. They get bored. 
so you'll have to keep it short short straight get a different character from the history probably last week i have talked about napoleon okay um okay. so different character from the history uh, give them a right shot right thing and talk about the project that we have done close it not more than 20 minutes interesting interesting so uh, i'm see while you spoke about your team and the people's team you told that you look at people for them to stay for at least 5 years so i mean that's fine but how do you actually figure it out during the interview or um, how do you ensure that happens is it like you try your best and then is gonna i'm i'm extremely fortunate to have people like like them with me right now uh, there are people who are stuck with me for 3 years uh, i'll say um, one four, four people for the last 3 years uh um then three people for the last four years uh so i have i have already people in the system you know that great, year great great um, the core team so them. yeah the core team is, is still there with me and uh, you know it's it's pure ideation and uh, it's it's pure you'll be able to understand at least if somebody is able to give you a commitment for two years hmm. uh you know my ask is higher you know it's five years right but if somebody is there for you to uh Say, saying that okay hey i'll stick with you for two years it's fine you no know, i i know for i know for sure that i'll be able to make them my man so my 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 people so it. it's more on to that so if somebody is giving you that trust for two years it's good to go but you don't uh, get them to sign and stuff like that no nothing like that nothing like that. okay it's pure trust okay and uh, i was about to ask this question but you yourself brought the topic out you know uh, i just wanted to ask you everywhere today in social media you say the news about laying off right this company has laid off so many thousands of people so uh, is you also feel that heat is it also coming to your level and uh, is it true Tony, uh, is it real what is it the recession is always from the global markets the global economy right recession is driven by the global economy right uh, so why all these companies whoever are laying off are public companies and in the markets hmm Google, Facebook, Microsoft, mm, Amazon—all mm, these folks are in the public markets, right. and it's important for them to protect certain interests mm. or in the interest of the investor. Got it. Right, and that's the reason uh, they kind of lay off. Okay. I'll not say there is zero heat on us. There is some heat on us. Okay. But okay. not to the extent of laying off laying people, off people. People in the in the space right now. Probably we slow down our hiring process right now. Okay. Uh, okay. we haven't even done a hiring froze. We have slowed down our hiring process. Okay. Uh, just to be sure that okay, we'll have a bunch of things in our pipeline. Okay. And okay. also, you know, probably and recession only will be for a maximum of one and a half years. Then it will not be there for a very long time. Okay. Uh, again, it will once the market takes a positive curve. Better fresh hires, lot of money coming into the zone. Everything gets funded more and more. Right. So, it's it's a big casino that we are playing in right now. Mm. So, it's all about that market. How does the market shape out and things like that? So, I'll not say zero heat, some heat, which uh, reduced our hiring. Got it, Vamsi. And uh, <clears throat> just a couple of closing questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Of what percentage of your projects are uh, education based or knowledge based? So we've done most of the projects in the education space. Okay. Uh, okay. Mostly, I'd say eighty uh, percent probably. Uh, okay. Eight in ten okay. projects are. Uh, I'd say seventy percent. Seventy percent. Yeah, seventy okay. percent of the projects are in education space. Okay. We've been doing that for. Is that a conscious uh, decision? 
uh, yes, uh, okay. there is a constant suggestion because uh, it's easy to stick with one domain and start start scaling quicker. Okay. Because okay. the context remains same when you're talking to another person. Right. So the contextual setting, especially for consulting organizations, uh, bringing up a niche, right. picking up a niche and then working on it becomes easier than probably you might lose some money because of the no's that you're telling to other mm-hmm. people. Uh, but that constant uh, decision making on just trying to stick to a specific niche will help us a lot Got in scaling it. in any, any, any industry. Got it. So uh, your company is, is a software development company. But in the right. education niche. Yeah. Okay. You take up all projects. We have projects in the finance right now. Okay. Uh, but, you know, one to hardly compare to whatever amount of projects that we have on the tech space. Okay. Cool. You don't have any ideas of expanding on the finance uh, domain? Probably. See, at this point in time, we are comfortable with the education domain. Okay. Uh, but we'll keep looking. So, we call ourselves a product development studio. Mm. Uh, meaning we build products for entrepreneurs and we scale products for entrepreneurs. Uh, so now that, you know, we have grown a bit bigger, it's more on to there are certain established players that we are with and things like that. Mm. Uh, but probably we'll definitely get into other domains as well as the team grows. You know, we have this 40 people. Probably if I have to go into other domains, I'll have more people. I'll have to need, have, need to have more people in the system. So we, we will definitely do that. Got it. One final closing question. So to anybody listening, you know, who's in the B2C space, who's looking to, you know, launch an app, launch some education web app or anything, what is it that you'd like to share uh, from your Keith's experience today? Right. Um, keep it extremely lightweight. Um, don't over-program, over-code, overthink, because assumptions are different, completely different, and uh, the kind of, the way market responds to you is completely different. So keep it simple. Stick to an idea, uh, stick with it for a longer period of time and launch it fast, right? And ship other set of important features faster. This will be the only thing that I'll say for any single product in the market, not just at tech, but keeping it, we, we overthink a lot in terms of building products. Right. What is the fundamental problem? If Take that fundamental problem that is actually needed to be solved. I'll not build another Uber or Uber because it's already a solved problem. Right. Right. Uh, something that, you know, probably if uh, some, there are, I'll just give you an example of, uh, let's say if you're catering to the finance market. Right. There are a lot of finance people in the market, probably trying to clean up their Excel sheets on a daily basis. Right. A tool for them to cut down the time of their Excel cleaning from eight hours to eight minutes. If you are trying to do that, keep it simple, solve the problem, try to layer on top of it, ship it faster. Right. So that's the direction we'll have to go rather than saying that, okay, this guy is a finance guy. I'll make him help do every single thing that is he's trying to do in his life. Mm. Uh, probably, you know, I'll pay his TDSs, I'll pay his this, that and stuff like that. So it's not going into everything in, in that specific number. Even though you're sticking to the finance applications, finance owner, don't try to solve everything. Solve something simple in the first place and probably expand on top of it. Right. So that will help people a lot in terms of expansions okay and uh, this is something that i've uh, tweeted recently okay uh, that you know don't uh, build what what your customer want okay what your build something that all you know what your customers want Uh, so so something that you should always remember while building uh, is prioritizing certain set of important things Uh, if if let's say if i have 10 customers if one customer comes in and says hey can you build this one 
if three customers comes in and says, hey, can you build this for me? Then my priority will be going to the second second thing, second feature. Right. So that's something that you should keep constantly doing around the space. Okay. And uh, you said that, you know, 70% of your clients are education-based. So are there any trends that you see today where education in India, B2C, is going towards? I think, uh, uh, you know, the large players have been slowing a bit. Yeah. Uh, this is a good news Some to some people, definitely, for sure. The large players are slowing down. And uh, catering to a niche will start picking up crazily in India. For example? Uh, uh, probably, you know, I can uh, pick up this UPSC space. Huh. Probably somebody who is in this specific region hmm. uh, might want to crack so-and-so XYZ exams. You know, somebody can become an expert in IPS or IRS or something else. Huh. So trying to focus on that specific niche in the initial days, at least, you know, when you start off something, uh, go aggressively in, in that space. Uh, capture a very small market probably will be also good with 100, 500 students. Hmm. Or probably paying you something, you know, really decent, really, really decent, hmm. right? Hmm. Trying to create such markets will be more and more in India. Rather than figuring out a large volume space, saying that, okay, hey, I'm building an app for 15 crore people in India. Hmm. That's not going to work. Right. At least to my knowledge, that's not going to work easily because people have done it in the past and have failed miserably. So trying to understand a certain set of probably a well-defined pool of 25K Hmm. market, Hmm. find a 25K market, Hmm. Try to narrow it. Probably you'll be able to get, uh, if you're able to get a thousand people from that market, hmm. uh, making, uh, you know, good revenues, probably, you know, making, you can, you can still make, you know, 10 crore, even if you're charging one lakh post. A simple math, right? right? So getting into that space will mm-hmm. help you a lot in terms of, you know, understanding things and stuff like that. Okay, so basically you're telling to all the educators out there, if they're looking to kind of, you know, get into the business, look at a narrow focused uh, area where you can penetrate yeah. it yeah. could be for individual teachers or it could be you know who, who want to go out on social media and make some content or apps very narrow very narrow uh, you know probably IB schools are there in India right now right. so probably pick up an IB room. IB for this 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 hmm. narrow it down hmm. teach them probably you, you create your own premiumness add premiumness to it got it that definitely becomes a successful business Cool. Uh, great, Ramsi. I mean, uh, is there anything that you thought I did not ask and you wanted to share? This is the time for that, if you, if, if, if at all there no, is. No, I think uh, we had a great conversation today. Great. Uh, you know, one thing that I've uh, seen all in my entrepreneurial journey is the staying with it. Hmm. Uh, you know, most of the people kind of step back uh, within two years, three years, right. maximum. Right. You know, I've seen people, you know, a lot of my friends, almost 10, 20, 10, 15 people of my friends who came into the entrepreneurial journey. I was the only person now, you know, in the entrepreneurial space. All those folks left. Okay. Uh, you know, okay. saying that, okay, we are tired right now. We will not be able to do it. But st- staying with it for a long time, uh, you know, you need to have that audacity in uh, you know, sticking with, with that problem and trying to be persistent there can help you a lot. And then it picks up. You know, that's that, that the quote of one night success will definitely... Start turning up because of all the journey that you would have probably had. Right. But you'll have to wait for that one night to happen. Yeah. It's like a, a similar example to a bamboo thing, right? You just wait, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, wait. Yeah, Suddenly yeah, it shoots yeah. up. You know, don't know when. Yeah. From an entrepreneur's perspective, yeah. you don't know when. But when it shoots up, it'll be fast. Yeah. yeah. I have, I'd say anybody who is starting off, five years is the time they'll... At least have to see. After five years, they'll get used to it. 
even if something is not taking up right. they'll be used to it and they'll be like i'll still stick to it still stick to it right but yeah i had the you know i'm extremely fortunate to start at a very young age okay uh, so that it became easier for me to go through all the rough challenges and you don't have any additional responsibilities to be taken care of right so that kind of helped me but somebody who is starting off late also need to stick to it and probably who who ever is there in the space trying to uh, you know having certain responsibilities and things like that have kind of a very very small plan b right so that it becomes easier only for your revenue you know for for making sure your other things are sorted out not kind of going back but sticking to it for a very long time will really really help got it ramsey thank you so much um i think uh, we've extended our uh, time slot by about 12 minutes now thank you for that uh okay. it was amazing talking to you uh i can go on but you know uh two hours is i think is yeah, decent yeah. time we will probably have a part two sometime uh yeah. i have a lot more questions from whatever we spoke but you know it's probably away from um the entrepreneurial journey and stuff like that um so yeah thank you and um we will probably see each other again in part two after some time if you would be interested Sure, Jack. wonderful. This was this was fun to do for me. It's been a very long time since I've had a straight. I I didn't. I I thought I'll be exhausted within an hour time, but I I was able to do this for a very long time. Thanks a lot for this, and hope, yeah, we, we will definitely do part two. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Edison OS, a no-code edtech platform to operate an online education business. Knowledge entrepreneurs can use Edison OS to sell online courses from their own websites, manage online masterclasses. launch mobile learning apps sell online practice tests for competitive exams run online learning communities digitizing their offline tutoring business use it as a learning management system and a lot more cases in the domain of knowledge commerce